When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's a very good morning. I'm Patricia Messenger, live from a taste of West Cork Food Festival. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest Cork today on C103, live from Skibbereen for a taste of West Cork Food Festival. Yes, that's right. We are live from Skibbereen. We're in Fields Super Value in Skibbereen. We're right beside the festival office. If you were in Skibbereen today, why not pop along and say hi? We are here for a taste of West Cork Food Festival. It's kicking off today and it promises to be 10 days of the very best of what West Cork has on offer. It is going to be the food mecca of Ireland for the next 10 days. We've got chefs flying in from Australia. They're coming from America. And of course, they're teaming up with the local popular Uh, chefs, local chefs as well. There will be 265 fascinating events and they are dotted all over West Cork. 50 towns and villages and nine uh, islands. West Cork's best restaurants, bars, B&Bs, hotels, along with the many native artisan food producers in the region are all set to enjoy what is the 16th a taste of West Cork Food uh, Festival. Now undoubtedly it is Ireland's biggest food festival. It runs from today right through until the 15th of September in scenic and friendly places everywhere from Bantry to Beira, Cape Clear Island to Whiddy Island, Baltimore to Bandon and Cork McSherry to Clannacilty to name but a few. No matter where you are in West Cork, you're going to be close to one of the many, many fascinating events taking place as part of the festival. And throughout the morning, we'll be sampling all what's good about the festival. We'll be speaking with some of the indigenous Australian chefs uh, who have flown in four in total have come to West Cork. The Happy Pair are going to be joining us a little bit later on. We'll be speaking with some of the wonderful artisan food uh, producers uh, and just giving you a feel of what's on offer over the next 10 days. And as I say, if you are around Skibbereen today, why not pop in and say hi to us live, live here from Fields for a taste of West Cork Food Festival. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And as we do with all of our outside broadcasts, we invite in some of the local public representatives to chat about the area and the issues that are most concerning people locally. So this morning we're honoured to have the Mayor of Cork County, Christopher O'Sullivan, along with two local councillors, Karen Coakley and Paul Hayes. Good morning to you all and you're all uh, uh, very welcome. And can I say the Mayor has turned up with his chain of office, which we really appreciate. Thank you for that. No problem. Uh, you're now, Cork County Council are one of the main sponsors of a taste of West Cork Food Festival. How important are 
festivals like this. Uh, Christopher, I'll start with you. To the economy of the area. Hugely important. Um, I took up this office in June, start of June, um, and it's been an absolute whirlwind since then. But without doubt, my favourite part of the whole position um, has been attending, launching festivals and events like this. It's one after the other. And particularly here in West Cork, we're in a stronghold of um, small festivals um, and large festivals like this one as well. There seems to be one every day, uh, which is incredible. But the return that we get for investment when we support, uh, whether it's the Taste of West Cork Food Festival, whether it's the Baldy Hob Jazz Festival, Clonakilty Guitar Festival, there's so many, covering so many different elements of music, arts, culture, food, like we have here today. Um, it's incredible because it means filling bed nights, it means filling the cafes, the restaurants, the pubs, businesses benefit from it, it brings extra footfall. So in terms of what we do as a local authority and what we invest in, festivals, small ones and bigger ones like this one that we're celebrating here today, um, they're usually important. Yeah, Paul, Christopher is right. I mean, these festivals, while they attract a lot of people into the area, and that's great, it's also about giving entertainment to local people, isn't it? Certainly, yeah. And again, rural areas, you know, I suppose they've been in a bit of decline maybe over recent years, um, but certainly having festivals like this and uh, community events is very important to, to locals uh, to, you know, to, to breed a bit of life into local villages and towns again. So again, as I said, like Christopher mentioned, some of the bigger ones there, but like you know, areas like uh, Corp Mac and Timaleague and all these places from, from north, south, east and west, they all put on their own little, little festival annually, or again in our case in Corp Mac, we have a full calendar of events from, from January to December. The you storytelling know. festival is coming up. Just, just this weekend, yeah, this yeah weekend, sounds and yeah. stories, yeah. exactly. So that'll be fantastic. Again, um, a family event and uh, yeah, good, yeah, good fun down there. And Karen, festivals, are they important? Uh, Absolutely. I mean, festivals, it's all about West Cork. I mean, there's no doubt we're an island of unique character and we have characters. Where else is it more evident? But here in beautiful West Cork, it's great to be here and celebrating a taste of West Cork. They've done Trojan work. And there is no doubt all these festivals, these are... You know, it's really the backbone of the community. It's getting people out. It's celebrating what we're good at. We've now got food tourism. We've put it on the map. And there is no doubt West Cork It really is a place apart. It offers something for everyone. And we're just so fantastic to live in such a beautiful part of the world. We have the very best food. We know where it comes from. We have wonderful people that are working in the industry. And this particular festival is all about promoting that and enjoying it. It's a chance to, to show it off. And Christopher, festivals like at this they couldn't operate without volunteers. Absolutely. Like, again, uh, it's, it's, I suppose, that old adage. Um, Cork County, in particular, I think we can be very, very cr- cr- proud of how small communities uh, pull together. Um, someone comes up with a harebrained idea, like a massive food festival to expand through all of West Cork. Um, and then instead of putting up obstacles and saying, well, we can't do it, the general ethos down here is that we, people get behind it. Uh, and all of a sudden... You have this big committee helping you out, um, putting in massive time and effort uh, to make something like this happen. The organisations, I mean, you're looking at a festival here from the 6th to the 15th of December, well over 200 events. Um, Phenomenal. Can you imagine the organisation, the time and effort that has to go into Mm -hmm. making sure all that goes smoothly? So, yeah, it's something that um, I think that I've discovered in my uh, tenure as mayor so far um, is the seeing the incredible witnessing the incredible community spirit that's out there uh, and what people are achieving on very very small budgets um, 
it's it's usually heartening and really uplifting. And that's why, Paul, people need to support all of the events, don't they? I mean, uh, that's that's what's important. Yeah, absolutely. Look, again, it's very very important to to, to you know to support local businesses all year round. Again, we, we, look, we were having a, a little chat earlier on about you know supporting local. We're here in a fantastic store here in the middle of Skibbereen. Again, providing local jobs to to young people and of all ages, really. You know, so it is very very important to, to support the local businesses because they in turn keep our communities alive. You know, so again, like w- our part of our job in, in, in the council is trying to breed new life into town centres because they're under a lot of pressure from you know maybe stores out of town you know so this is all very very important you know do we want to uh, in five or ten years time have the, the centres gone out of our, our towns uh, you know and just no, no activity so all of it's very very important and it all ties in together. Yeah, and it's too late bemoaning this when it's gone and it's mm, closed we, we need to support it now. Now the, the new council uh, Karen you're one of the newer councils, councillors uh, you've been uh, all together since the May uh, election. How's it going for you? It's, it's an interesting process. I mean, it takes time. My colleagues have been very good. Uh, there is no doubt that, you know, starting off, there's a lot to learn. I'm very fortunate. I did have five years in the town council, which was very beneficial. I'm finding my way. The main thing is I'm asking a lot of questions, and I think that is the only way just to ask the questions and not to be afraid to make any representations on behalf of people. Yeah, but it's a, it's a learning. It's a bit of it a, le- learning a learning curve. curve, curve. And Christopher, as mayor, you're, you're loving the role. What a blast, yeah. Patricia. It's been an absolute blast. I must say, I took the role with a degree of trepidation. I wasn't sure what it involved. You talk to previous mayors and they'll all tell you that it's 24-7, non-stop on the road, which, to be honest, I wasn't sure if I was uh, uh, up for that. But it's been incredible. Just since the inauguration at the start of June, it's been non-stop. Um, you get to see all aspects of this wonderful county. Um, from We talked about the festivals. Uh, which is, you know, the fun part, launching festivals, seeing, you know, turnip racing in Ballady Hub. The, the, these kind of... That made the Wall Street th- Journal this the w- week. W- Wall Street Journal. So you're <laughs> se- Who knew? You're seeing all the w- these brilliant ideas that people are coming up with and running with, but you're also seeing, um, you know, work that goes on, prote- for example, with uh, special needs. I visited Coaction in Clannacilty, and to see the service users there, to um, experience uh, what wonderful people there, but also the work being done by the uh, people providing the service, is incredible, you know, and it's not just West Cork. I was in Mallow yesterday, for example, as a celebration or a graduation of a Mallow for College of Further Education. Over 200 students uh, receiving um, uh, graduation certs. Um, brilliant work being done right around the county, um, and it's, it's incredible. And also the people that you get to meet. In my first week, I got to meet the Dutch King and Queen, which is pretty special. Um, Olympic champions like Alistair Brownlee. So it's sometimes you got to pinch yourself. I met um, Graham Norton, of course, at the event in Bantry recently. You've got to pinch yourself. Sometimes it doesn't feel real, but at the same time, I'm aware that this position is only 12 months long uh, and I'm going to absolutely make sure I enjoy well every second. Well, well done. Uh, and Paul, it's, it's a different council in many ways as well because it's the, it's the first uh, since we had the boundary changes. It, it, are you feeling the effect of that? Are you seeing the effects of that? Well, certainly, look, obviously, during the election, it, it, was, it was very apparent, you know, the, the changes to the boundary for me personally um, was, was quite stark. Uh, but again, look, I mean, I'm still involved in in committees and projects in, we'll say, Court Mac, where I'm living. I suppose I, I, people down there couldn't vote for me, but I, look, I'm still uh, very much involved in projects there. And 
obviously West Cork is split down the middle as well so like the Bantry area is, is, is separate to where we are here in Skibreen and, and Clannacilty and Dunmanway so yeah it's, it's a little bit different from that point of view obviously there's new faces in the in the, the 55 uh, councillors at, at County Hall as which well. is always good yeah absolutely yeah. like it and you can new see ideas. already yeah, n- yeah. Fr- fresh blood uh, new ideas which is which is great to, to freshen things up you know so again and climate certainly seems to be the, the very topical issue at the minute you know obviously it, it is a very very important one worldwide uh, but yes that from from the outset so far in our council term, that seems to be the, the one uh, yeah, that t- taking the and, precedence. And Karen, you mentioned <coughs> the town council. Certainly in the run-up to the election in May, we on the programme were certainly hearing from people who were starting to really miss the town councils. There is no doubt that the town councils had a very big impact on the community. I mean, firstly, it was, ex- it was more accessible. You know, people could meet their local councillor on the street. There were nine town councillors in every town. And it was easier access, whereas with the abolishment of the town council, that access was gone. Yes, you do have county councillors, but obviously there aren't as many, and it's more difficult for people to access. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting that it just it really came up again uh, this time ta- this time round. Um, okay, just to discuss some of the issues that are affecting the uh, area at the end of July, the High Court ruling to quash the planning permission for the proposed plastic factory in Skibbereen. Um, Christopher, you're the plastics factory in Skibbereen. What are your views on that? Yeah, that's an. In- Thanks, Patricia. You give me the, the 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 difficult one. But look, first of all, the views on the fact that the High Court quashed the decision, um, I welcome wholeheartedly. I think it's uh, great news. It's fantastic. Having said that, we have to put in perspective. It was the West Cork Municipal District that uh, we were all members of who zoned the land in the first place. So we got to hold our hands up, and I certainly hold my hands up and say, um, I made. Uh, we 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 got that wrong. Um, but I'm delighted and I must congratulate the work of SOS, uh, the group who came together. They identified that, look, plastic is a huge issue uh, right around the world and in Ireland too. We're not exempt from it, that we need to um, reduce our use of plastic. Um, and therefore, having a plastics factory on the Wild Atlantic Way on the road out to Baltimore clearly was not a good idea. So I want to commend the work of SOS and congratulate them in the success. Uh, this may not be the end of it. And I know they've got a, uh, they still have a battle ahead, but... Um, yeah, it, it, it is good news. It's a good news for the environment and I think a good news for Skibreen. We need to be promoting sustainable jobs, jobs like we say in the Ludgate uh, Centre um, and, you know, in fields that's here. That's the Super big Valley. success story. That, that's the success area. story. They're the type of um, jobs we should be creating. Uh, and I think it was uh, just to congratulate the work of uh, Save Our Skibbereen, SOS. Who, who, who Do you agree, Karen? Do you think a good day for Skibbereen? Absolutely. I mean, we want jobs in town, but at what cost do we want the jobs? I mean, as the mayor has just said we have Ludgate, we have Spearline, we have the West Cork campus, we have Drumbeg. We have so many fantastic opportunities in this town now and so many great jobs. They're the kind of jobs that we want. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we have to be conscious of our, our environment. We're on the Wild Atlantic Way. Tourism is a massive industry here and we have to be conscious. People's health, people's li- livelihood, everyone has to be taken into consideration. Okay, Paul, uh, I mean, Karen has mentioned Spearline, their new, uh, new headquarters, the, the old De La Salle Secondary School. I mean, 75 new jobs uh, announced there. Do we need to be bringing more jobs like that in here? What do we need to be doing? To yeah, certainly, I'd, I'd agree. Like, and we have a fantastic facility in Dunmanway as well called Brook Park. Again, gigabyte speed uh, internet, and there, I suppose, look, they're looking for uh, tenants to come in and, and to set up there. So certainly, I, I would go down that road. Uh, look where we are. I mean, we're, we're celebrating the food festival. Seventy percent of the artisan food produced in Ireland is comes from West Cork. That's massive, you know. So, as I said, like trying to sit that then with a plastics factory out the road. 
you know, it, it didn't make sense. So, look, I think sense has prevailed in this case, um, and we, we should build on our strengths, our kind of rural uh, background, the agriculture, artisan food, and certainly the, the likes of Spearline and, you know, uh, companies like Capita and things like that in Clannacilty that are coming in and providing, you know, well-paid jobs. And, uh, you know, I think they're sustainable into the future. As I said, I think uh, the plastics factories is kind of yesterday's technology. Really, yeah. and we, we need to move on and look at new things. And Christopher, we need the proper infrastructure, though, to, in order to encourage investment. In, I mean, broadband is the obvious one. I mean, rural broadband? Huge issue. It dominates. Uh, we have a, a set-up in the, in the Cork County Council. We have our full council meetings, our municipal district meetings, and our western division meetings. At our divisional meetings, we just discuss services like broadband and the lack of broadband in Ireland dominates um, our discussions. I mean, we talk for hours on trying to bring the uh, broadband providers, um, the communications minister, and all relevant parties into room to say, look guys, if we want to encourage people to work remotely, if we want to encourage people to move to West Cork, if we want to encourage businesses to set up in West Cork, we, we need to, to start providing broadband. that broadband. So it's, you know, many, in many respects, we're, we're banging our head against a brick wall trying to, trying to achieve this, but we won't give up until we see some improvement in that. Yeah, Karen, broadband, are you hearing about broadband? Broadband is absolutely vital. I mean, we have a lot of people that are working from home. We have some fabulous indigenous industries, and broadband is essential. People simply can't do it if the broadband isn't right. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's just an, o- an ongoing battle. What about roads, uh, Paul? How are we faring out with roads and condition of roads and maintenance of roads? Yeah, look, it's always a hot topic. Um, again, I think we've, we've chatted about this we year, in previous years. Um, look, we're always on about the N71 and the R585 and 86. Um, again, look, we have, I suppose, we have gone up the road in various delegations over like the last council term. And I do think, you know, uh, the, minister, the Minister of the Day, Minister Ross, has listened to us because we have got some uh, funding for, for local pro- projects here. Um, I suppose look, we were coming from a low base, that's the problem. Like uh, When we were looking at the figure of the amount of road tax that went up from Cork County, I think we were last on the table uh, you know, for money that came back down for, for road projects. Uh, that has changed. I think we're somewhere around mid-table at the moment now, but as I said, we were just coming from such a, l- a low base that we certainly have an awful lot of catching up to do. Uh, like The national routes are getting there. As I said, we, we need to liaise a bit better, I think, with the likes of Irish Water. Um, you know, we might do up a road like in, I just came through Ross Carby now this morning, and then Irish Water maybe six months later might decide to get up again to lay. And uh, that water frustrates pipes. Yeah. the hell out of yeah. people. It's and, and, yeah. and naturally so. Like again, these things when when water services were under the control of the local authority, like Cork County Council, we could at least streamline it and say, well, look, we need to put in the ducting now for future broadband, or we'll do the pipe work now for water or waste. And then we'll resurface the road, whereas there seems to be a, 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 a kind of a yawning gap uh, in communication between Irish Water and the local councils. And again, we resurfaced, we'd say, Drimmer League Village um, last year, spent over 600,000 doing it. That's going to be dug up in another few months' time with another big trench down through the middle of it for water. So yeah. that, that doesn't make sense. And Christopher, we would often hear from listeners saying when the, the council, the man with the shovel, and he knew every dike and he knew how to how to clear every, every dike and people bemoan the fact, even though people get out about the man with the shovel. Um, do we need to almost go back to basics on some of it? It's an interesting time in terms of what's going on in the roads. So one of the biggest challenges that we'd have faced over the last 12 months in particular was the amount of disruption because of roadworks happening, particularly along the N71. So for example, it would have taken you an age to drive from Skib to Cork because of the different stages of roadworks. So there's investment, but it's investment on resurfacing. We need road realignment. But on your particular issue in terms of 
the worker on the ground. West Cork is huge, okay? Going from, um, if you take the municipal district, which goes from Balnascarty, which is east of Clannacilty, right down to the Dursey Sound, you're talking about a two-hour drive mm. plus. Um, we do not have enough people on the ground. Cork County Council do not have enough staff, engineers, um, people on the ground with jovels, with uh, machinery, whatever it takes to maintain our roads. That's where we need to start. We need to not look in this, in terms of how um, our staff are distributed, it's focused too much on population. They have to take into account the geography of an area. West Cork Municipal District is bigger than most counties. So we need more people on the ground to address this issue. And this is, it comes down to common sense. Yeah. Uh, and that's something I would love to see improve uh, over the, I suppose, the remainder of my tenure as mayor anyway. Okay. Uh, and uh, Karen, would you, would, would you hear from people complaining about roads a lot in, in your area? I mean, I know we are constantly getting calls in about the ditches not being cut, hedgerows not being cut, wing mirrors being knocked off vans and, uh, and cars. I mean, I'm assuming as a councillor you're hearing the same stories. Absolutely. Roads are a massive problem. I mean, people use the roads every day to go to and from work and there is no doubt hedgerows are very high in certain places. Of course, now we have to think biodiversity and we have to be conscious of flora and fauna and we do need to protect the hedgerows as well. But then safety is a major issue. If people are driving along a narrow road, people's safety has to come first. So there is no doubt the hedgerows in certain places have to be cut back. We do have to be very sensitive to nature as well, but people must come first. Okay. All right. Housing, Christopher. Can, can you ever build enough housing? Can you never provide enough housing in West Cork for the people that need it? One of the biggest issues and most frustrating, Patricia. Um, I'll give you an example. In Clannacilty, uh, the Cork, Cork County Council have granted planning for uh, over 100 social houses. Mm-hmm. Okay? You know, we had the fanfare, we welcomed it with open arms, there was photo shoots, there was sods being turned. We still haven't got a social house being built in Clannacilty. So um, that needs to change. We need to start streamlining. Where, where, where Cork County Council have done their bit, they have streamlined the planning process in order to get these over the line. There's 50 more in Skibbereen, by the way. There's more in, in Dunmanway, all with uh, planning permission granted. We still haven't seen a sod turned. That needs to change because I guarantee you that Paul will agree with me and Karen will agree with me. Our phones are hopping uh, with people in desperate need of social housing. They've been on the social housing list for years. Um, they're in really dire straits, dire situations. And we can't help them because we're waiting for people to vacate social houses in order to provide social houses. That can't be that's, fair. That's it's, it's, there's a crisis. But, uh, Paul, would you have many people in West Cork living in emergency accommodation that people would be unaware of? Yeah, I think at the minute we possibly might have about 16 uh, people technically homeless. But again, I think that's only uh, the tip of the iceberg because you have, uh, we'll say, sons and daughters now with their own families having to move in with their parents, you know. Yeah, so and they're not classed as homeless, exactly. but technically they Te- don't own their own home, they don't have their own home. That's it, exactly, and it's causing its own frustrations and stresses. Like, for a short period, you'd say it's fair enough, like, a mum and dad will always try and look out for their son or daughter, but you can imagine, like, a house that was maybe built for five or six people with double that inside there, it just isn't on. Um, so, yeah, it is, it is causing huge, huge tensions. Uh, and, again, people, it, like, life goes on, it goes on under the radar, but, as I said, like, we're picking up 
absolutely heartbreaking stories people sl- sleeping in cars and all this kind of stuff and yeah. it's, it's, it's very very tough and you're yeah, trying to and, and, and it's, sort it's, that out it's really interesting to hear you say that because people seem to associate homelessness with the city mm. and the larger urban areas people don't think about it in rural areas but it happens oh, absolutely, of course yeah, yeah. Um, Karen you would be hearing it as well yeah and unfortunately the problem is rental properties there are very few rental properties and any rental properties that are available they're exceptionally high I mean just looking at statistics alone on the council app at the moment there's 144 houses that's for all of Cork County and just to take this specific area Skibreen there's six houses I mean there just isn't enough houses for people everybody is entitled to have a home people want to have a home but there just simply aren't enough properties and it's heartbreaking some of the stories that you do here there is no doubt about it all we can do is keep on making representations for these people. Yeah, I thought it was sad during the week. Uh, there was a survey out showing the people who are renting. There's a whole generation of people who believe they'll never own their own house. And we come from uh, people who like to own our own houses. So it's just it's sad Absolutely. to think that there's a young generation that feel that they'll never own their own houses. Now, this is all about selling West Cork. And I'm particularly conscious that of uh, people listening to us from outside the West Cork area. We know how wonderful West Cork is. So we want each of you, if you had a visitor arriving on your doorstep who had never never been to West Cork before we want you to give suggestions of where you would send them and why who wants to start Christopher's first I, top of the class yeah because this is a classic case Patricia of you give a politician an inch and they'll <laughs> take a mile how long have I got <laughs> we're, okay. we're, you're on the clock I'm going Go. to give you three uh, things to do okay <coughs> I'm going to be absolutely unashamedly self-promoting here whale watching number one okay whale watching from Cormac Sherry John Green, your colleague, did a fantastic show on where the road takes me. We brought him out on a boat. We showed him dolphins. It was excellent. Minky whales. Yeah. We showed him humpback whales, which are one of the most iconic animals species on the planet. Just off Cormac Sherry, off the Cork coast, we have it. And the second biggest animal that has ever lived, a fin whale. He saw them all, so it's there. So that would be number one. Okay? Whale watching. Get a bit yeah. wet. Um, secondly, music. Okay, I, I often think of West Cork as this centre or hive of uh, musical activity. If you threw a net over West Cork, the amount of artists, talented arts that you can capture. So bring it to somewhere like Levis's and Baldy Harbour or the bars in Clamkilty for a bit of a session. And finally, I'm rushing through this now. Actually, Go on, you're doing fine. We're here at a food festival, okay? So it's very hard to, to, to know where to start in terms of food, but what I would do is I'd pack a picnic basket, okay? I'd put in some chorizo, gobine chorizo, maybe Doris cheese, some smoked mackerel from uh, Timbalig, um some bread from the baking emporium i mean your your mouth is salivating your uh, absolutely see it, yeah. absolutely i put it in a basket send them off to somewhere like mizzen head uh up at tree castle's head they're looking out over the atlantic and trust me they'll be back well done well done okay karen where would you send oh your, your guest christopher's done Sean, a great thing be, be you're, you're a tour guide no well <laughs> bear in mind west cork it's all about the people and people want experiences so it's the people it's the place if I were to pick, I would say the islands. The islands are an integral part of our heritage and also our culture. And more importantly, the islands are very accessible. Shirk and Cape Hare Island, all very accessible. Wonderful culture, heritage, and of course, the wonderful Fastnet Rock. That would be the first. Mizzenhead. Mizzenhead, to me, has to be the most breathtaking scenery. It's absolutely Fantastic. spectacular. And of course, very close to my heart would have to be food. And you take the wonderful <laughs> festivals. And what I love about this festival in particular is that it's farm to fork. It's all about tracing it. And we have such an array of wonderful food and scenery, music and its people and put all that together. 
and that's an absolute dream. There, isn't, there isn't much better to be had Great than that. trip. Well done. And Paul, where are you sending your imaginary guests? Well, yeah, again, I, I think the, the guys have beaten me too. Some <laughs> of them there already. Uh, certainly, look, I, I'll attest to, to Christopher's uh, initiative along Court Mac. The whale watching is brilliant. Oh, yeah. I'll <laughs> be looking forward to my free trip. And, uh, of course, like the islands. Again, I think like each one of them is their own character. Uh, they're, they're absolutely brilliant. Uh, again, my kids love camping and stuff like that. Like So we'd head off to the likes of Bear Island or something and head off trekking up to Mar- the Martello Towers and have a view over Bantry Bay and everything so it's absolutely brilliant and they're all so accessible like so it's, it's, it's excellent again I suppose look I, I just to vary it a little bit I like my kind of history and the heritage side of things so uh, again the new Rebel Way I think it's a new uh, initiative there to bring you from the likes of you know this massive work going on the man at the moment telling the story of Sam McGuire yeah. a big weekend there this weekend with yeah. the Sam McGuire Sevens you come to, to Clan obviously the home of Michael Collins you have the museum and all the little Aries associate with Michael Collins, then you're back into the likes of Skib, uh, you know, O'Donovan Rossa, and you have the Heritage Centre there with Terry Carney and a fantastic team uh, over there, again, doing some brilliant, brilliant work. Like, and the again, Famine Museum here in, in yeah, Skib. Yeah, it's great yeah. stuff. Like, we have our own little bit of Hollywood here in West Cork as well, like um, with Jeremy Irons and uh, David Putnam involved in um, producing 20 short little films, you know, for the Heritage Centre. So, we've all that kind of stuff going on. So, like, we have like we've our, our scenery our artisan food and the people as, as Karen said look, that's, that's what makes us different like so again you could, you could so just you could drop people anywhere and I think you they'd could have a good time and, and they would enjoy it and yeah. you're all looking forward to the festival are you you making coffee or something are you for the festival I event? am yeah a couple of events on uh, Tuesday and Thursday next week so I'll be busy uh, making uh, fancy cappuccinos and flat whites and stuff like well, that so well if, if you fancy popping down for um, a taste of um, coffee from and where is that on it's in uh, our Java Republic uh, Burst School in Bandon okay so listen yeah. in so get in the plug enjoy in. <laughs> listen thanks a million to all of you for, for uh, joining us this morning and, and I hope over the next 10 days you get to enjoy the festival as well oh, yeah. uh, yourself but the mayor of Cork County Christopher O'Sullivan and councillors Karen Coakley and Paul Hayes we thank you uh, all for joining us in a studio we're broadcasting live from a taste of West Cork Food Festival and we're in fields of Skibbereen Cork today on C103 text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 103 and we're broadcasting live from Fields of Skibbereen for a Taste of West Cork Food Festival. I just want to give a quick mention uh, to Milo Hurley and uh, Valerie. They're handing over the cheque this evening that they raised for motor neuron disease. This was the climb to Coron Tuhal uh, a few weeks ago, and the cheque has been handed over tonight in uh, Gigi's Bar on McCurtain Hill in uh, Clonakilty. Good luck to uh, all involved, and well done uh, to Milo and everyone who took part in that climb to uh, Coron Tuhal for MND. Now, exactly 100 years ago, next Next Sunday, September 8th, 1919, Baltimore's first lifeboat, the Shamrock, arrived. To celebrate the centenary of the RNLI lifeboat in Baltimore, I'm delighted to say I'm joined this morning by Aidan Bush and Kieran Cotter. You're both very welcome, gentlemen. Uh, thank you for joining us. Now, the history lesson first. The original station was built in 1915, but the lifeboat didn't arrive until 1919. Explain yeah. that, Kieran. Uh, th- the reason for that was... Uh, it was during the First World War, and uh, they decided not to bring the boat to Baltimore while the war was on. Um, when the boat was built, she was uh, called Duke of Connacht. And when she arrived in Baltimore, the name, there's a photograph uh, showing her name, Duke of Connacht. With, because of the political situation at I the time, have gone down well. uh, they, ch- <laughs> yeah, they changed the name to Shamrock. A, a much nicer name yeah. that everybody that everyone was happy with. So that's that event is a hundred years ago next Sunday, which in itself is is incredible. And the boathouse and the slipway 
was used then, Aidan, until 2012. Yeah, it's actually still in use because they changed the station. We got a new all-weather lifeboat, the big lifeboat, and then we got a rib which is inside in the house and that uses the original slipway. So the two boats, the slipway is still in use and we have two boats. We're one of the only stations with uh, ALB, a Tamar class and a B class Atlantic 85, which is very unusual. This is the only one in Ireland with that two boats. Yeah. And there'll be much celebration, I know, yeah. of the of the 100th. Yeah. And so I think it's a time to reflect and look back on what's happened over the 100 years. Um, Kieran, we were remembering this year the 40th anniversary of the Fastnet yacht race disaster. The, the Baltimore, you were one of the first onto the scene. I think we were the first lifeboat to be called out. We were called out. Well, the, the, our call came not for a Fastnet yacht race, but uh, the lightkeepers and the Fastnet uh, were watching some of the the boats that were out watching the race and uh, they noticed that one disappeared suddenly and they got very concerned so they gave us a call to go out and check it out. When we got out there we couldn't find the boat number one and uh, so we wanted to try and find out more information so we nipped into Cape Clear and uh, we were able to use a phone line to see if they had arrived in Skull or anything and after a while we discovered that the boat that they had been looking at was actually sheltering in Long Island Sound, just outside Skull, uh, because the weather was the weather had deteriorated rapidly over the few hours, uh, just around dark on that evening, the 13th of August, and uh, the depression was coming in and the storm was arriving. And uh, then, soon after that, maybe one o'clock in the morning, half twelve, we were called out to a yacht, regardless, which had lost her rudder four miles southeast of the Fastnet, and we went out in. And our biggest problem when we arrived was. Uh, to identify the boat because there were lots of yachts coming up to the Fastnet all racing and uh, the naval vessel uh, Deirdre was on scene and uh, she was able to identify the boat for us and we put on the tow to the boat and towed her back to Baltimore. Now that tow was in itself very difficult because there was a big sea running, there was extremely strong wind, probably up to force 10, 11 and uh, the, the boat, the lifeboat that we had, Robert, she was only capable of doing eight and a half knots. And when the yacht would sit up on a wave, she'd run down and pass us out. Oh my God. And uh, she would, uh, so they, they actually, to slow her down, they, 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 they actually uh, put out some sails behind her in the water. They streamed out some sails to slow her down. And uh, I think uh, the tow rope parted maybe five times on our trip to Baltimore. And when we got to Baltimore, it was about... Um, half seven in the morning or something like that. And, and you've been out now since the night before. Yeah, we were out. We, well, we went out at uh, 10 o'clock. No, that wouldn't be unusual to spend yeah. the night out. Yeah. But uh, we were only, we put the boat in the morning and soon afterwards then we were called out again and we went out to a boat called Marionette and we weren't actually finished for just over 24 hours by the time we finished up. And remind us, how many lives were lost? There were, in the race, there were 15 lives. Oh my God. And then there was a boat called Buck Fizz who was following the race, and there were four people lost. And her, her hull, the hull of that boat was found turned, turned upside down somewhere between here and the Silly Isles. And uh, then there were two others lost, two other sailors lost that weekend in, in unrelated to the, to the, to the race. But, but thanks to you guys and the others that went out, there was many lives saved. Oh, yeah, there was, there was well, all the lifeboats along the south coast of Ireland were involved. Uh, then you had the lifeboats in... Uh, uh, South Wales, I think a few of them were involved. All North Cornwall and South Cornwall and the Silly Isles. And then you had uh, the helicopters, the RAF. Uh, there was a Dutch uh, 
medical vessel. And there was actually uh, they, they put a call. They put a call out for uh, uh, medical uh, professionals to go out. And uh, there was a, a young doctor in the COH at the time, um, uh, uh, Brendan Buckley, and he was he put up his hand and he said, oh, sure, I'll go along. And uh, he was taken by helicopter and dropped onto the ship, wow. onto the Dutch ship, yeah, yeah. Wow. And, and, yeah. and you talk, and even though it was 40 years ago, you talk about it like uh, it was only yesterday. Aidan, how long are you involved? Oh, I'm involved since uh, 85, 86, I suppose. Uh, I grew up with the lifeboat. My dad was involved very much. He was a handsick for years. So every night there was a call, the phone would ring. I'd be the first in the car waiting for him. <laughs> And yeah. you'd, you'd go down and watch the lads going out. So then, as you got older, you'd you'd wait for the call. Hopefully, some night the coxswain would say, "Right, Aidan, you're on," and off you went. And it, what's <laughs> amazing is you're all volunteers. Yeah. What, what what keeps you doing it? It's a way of life. It's what we know. As I said, I'm doing it since I was <laughs> waking up at night, running out the door to, with my dad. Uh, so it's just something that you keep doing. It's it's really rewarding, and the and those big rescues that everything comes home safe it's really rewarding obviously yeah. there's a night when it's not and that can be quite tough and are there is there a particular rescue that will that stands out to you as one that you'll you'll never forget for whatever reason <laughs> i suppose there's a couple we had uh, the, another very long call was the japonica which we were 26 hours out a big spanish trawler which in very bad conditions gusting up the force 11 when we were trying to get the tow on it and we towed her into bentry bay and again we lost the tow two times, did we? A couple of times, three. yeah. And we eventually got her into Bentry Bay in the morning, and she went to anchor, and we heading back down Bentry Bay. We came off a big sea, and one of the crew hit his head, and he needed stitches, so we needed to cast down bear. And we stayed there for an hour while we got a crew member over to replace him. And while we were there, we got another call to a boat south of the Fastnet. And we headed off there and got her, and we left the evening before at 4 o'clock. And we finished up the following evening at six. So <laughs> that was a tough call out. Kieran, ever, Kieran actually got a medal for that call out. Well yeah. done. Do you ever get seasick? Uh, me personally, yeah. no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I would be slightly prone to seasick. Would you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you've, you've had some other famous yeah. ones. You were involved with the rescue of Charlie Hawhey. I was out there that yeah. night as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the bales of cocaine, yeah. that was a kind yeah. of a, an interesting yeah. one, the, the failed smuggling attempt. Yeah, that's correct, yeah. I was out there that day as well, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it was February 2012 when the Alan Massey boat arrived. Yeah. Kieran, what difference has that boat made to uh, your work? Uh, it's, it's huge. These, 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 these boats are massive. They're uh, very fast, very technical boats. Uh, Lots of equipment, navigation equipment, and all that. They great height of eye. They make searching easier. Um, they're they're uh, they're quick. We're able to get to the scene much quicker. When when I joined first, the the boat that was in Baltimore was a boat called uh, the Sarah Tilson, and she used to do about seven and a half miles an hour. Okay. The new boat that we have today does 25 nautical miles, which is almost 30 miles an hour. My God. So, I mean, the whole... And it, even the boat that was there in 1979, the Robert, which is actually back in Baltimore for the celebration, a gentleman from uh, the UK purchased her with the whole idea of bringing her back to Baltimore for the 40th anniversary. Fantastic. Um, and, 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 uh, we, and we can't not finish our chat without talking about the, uh, the anniversary and the, the 100th anniversary uh, what are you doing, um, Aidan, to mark uh, the centenary on Sunday? Well, on Sunday, the, the new B-class rib is being named. So it'll be named exactly 
100 years after the first boat was named. So there'll be a ceremony on the pier. Uh, there'll be the St. Faulkner Silver Band are going to play. So there'll be refreshments afterwards and a, a lot of lifeboat people will be there and there'll be a good chat and stories being told and of rescues and with other stations and our own people who've passed crew members and all that. Okay. Uh, yeah. uh, you looking forward to it, Kieran? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 And do you love that, everybody sitting around and chatting about... Ah, yeah, it's very interesting, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, we were out in Cape Tear there a couple of weeks ago, and some of the Court Mac boys came along from, they were retired, uh, most of them, maybe one of them was still on the crew. But we had a long chat about the 1979 and about all that type of stuff, you know. And you, you get to know the, especially the crews on your flank station, like our flank station would be Court Mac Sherry, Union Hall, uh, and Castletown Bear. And you get to know these lads over the years, and, you know, it's interesting. Well, listen, in, in, enjoy the centenary and long may you continue to be around to, to help everybody, as I know you will, for the next 100 years. Well, we won't be here, but there'll be other volunteers uh, picking up the great work that you're doing. But thank you both for joining us. Now, we were hoping to play Phil Coulter's Home from the Sea, but I've just seen on the clock we're not going to be able to get in before News at 11, so we'll hold off and we'll play it after uh, News at 11 because I really want to dedicate it to everybody involved in the RNLI. But uh, Aidan Bush and Kieran Cotter, thank you both for joining us in studio. Thanks, uh, we're going to take a quick break. Um, we we have got news at 11 coming up. We're broadcasting live from a Taste of West Cork Food Festival, live from Fields of Skibbereen. We're broadcasting live for Fields of Skibbereen for a Taste of West Cork Food Festival. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week, you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show yeah. is absolutely yeah. incredible. Or anime. Yeah, and under this sure. mask is another mask. <laughs> you can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday wherever you get your podcast and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh. Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. Cork Today on C103. Live from Skibbereen for a taste of West Cork Food Festival. On a cold winter's night, with the storm at its height, the lifeboat answered the call. They pitched and they tossed, till we thought they were lost, as we watched from the harbour wall. Though the night was pitch black, 
There was no turning back For someone was waiting out there And each volunteer had to live with his fear As they joined in a silent prayer Carry us home, home, home from the sea Angels of mercy, answer our plea And carry us home, home, home from the sea Carry us safely home from the sea As they battled their way past the mouth of the bay, it was blowing like never before. As they gallantly fought, every one of them thought of loved ones back on the shore. Then a flicker of light, and they knew they were right. There she was on the crest of a wave. She's an old fishing boat And she's barely afloat Please God, there are souls we can save And carry them home Home, home from the sea Angels of mercy Answer our plea And carry us home And back in the town On a street that runs down to the sea And the harbour wall They had gathered in pairs At the foot of the stairs To wait for the radio call And just before dawn When all hope was gone Came a hush and a faraway sound T'was the coxswain he roared All survivors on board Thank God and we're homeward bound To carry them home Home, home from the sea Angels of mercy Answer our plea And carry them home Home, home from the sea Carry them safely Home from the sea
And that's uh, Phil Coulter, Home from the Sea. And we dedicate that to all of our lifeboat volunteers. And may they always be carried safely home from the sea. But it will be played especially uh, today uh, for everybody involved with the Baltimore Lifeboat as they celebrate 100 years of saving lives in West Cork on uh, Sunday. Now, as the brochure says, Cade Mila Falter, 100,000 welcomes to a taste of West Cork Food Festival, a celebration of all that is great and good about the area. Now, while many people work to make this festival a huge success, the two ladies sitting opposite me are the real cornerstones of the event, and they are Helen Collins, the chairperson, and Fiona Field, the manager. Good morning to you good both. Good morning, and it's, uh, it's terrific to once again be back uh, with you. Um, Helen, it gets bigger and bigger every year. Over 260 events taking place, 50 towns and villages and the eight islands. How do you bring it all together? Well, in truth, um, Fiona is the one who compiles that entire glorious programme. But of course, you see, our, our mantra is to unify West Cork. So it's Bandon to Bear and North to McCroom. So there's scope for every town and village and island to be involved. And that's really important to us. And in that way, we believe we're creating a very strong West Cork brand. We've travelled abroad in the last 12 months with Tourism Ireland, promoting West Cork in a number of European cities, in fact carrying about 120 kg of um, West Cork produce uh, for distribution <laughs> abroad and tremendously successful. Cork Airport, there are saints up there in terms of weighing our baggage or pretending our baggage isn't as heavy as it is. But um, we, we really love promoting the West Cork brand. Um, it's crucial to West Cork. Every extra 50 euro that gets spent in West Cork is really important to us. And this year, we have partnered not just with a country, we partnered with an entire continent, Australia. And I know you'll be having the, the uh, Australian we ambassador and, later. And, and, and we'll tra- I'll talk to you yeah. a little bit uh, about that in a minute. Uh, Fiona, I mentioned earlier that no matter where you are in West Cork over the next 10 days, you're going to be close to an event. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And you've got the mix right in that there's free events and there's paid for events. Th- that's exactly what we try to do, is that every day we try to have sort of a, a, an affordable walk an affordable farm visit a free visit and then there's the special dinners in the evening so you can structure your whole route and tour to not break the bank every day that you can yeah. participate in the festival throughout the west throughout west cork without spending too much money and then saving it up for a really nice evening meal okay and then it's about getting people out to support all of those oh, events because people yeah. have put so yeah. much so much work into it the awards they yes. just keep on coming. <laughs> <laughs> who, who remembers the first one? Oh, we do. We do. Yeah. Oh, Chambers, Ireland. Was oh, that the yes. first? Yeah. Oh, my 2016. God. Yeah. 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 Because I, I remember talking to you when you just won an award, and yeah. there was much excitement. Huge. Yeah. And now I seem to be constantly reading about awards. Well, uh, this last 12 months, we won the West Cork uh, um, Best Festival Award, and we won um, yeah. the Irish Tourism and Travel Industry Award, which was huge, yeah. actually. Um, we're the best Wild Atlantic Way experience. So that was a fantastic boost to us. And I think our partners, uh, being Cork County Council, who are big sponsors of ours, Foil to Ireland, Sean and Rose O'Driscoll, um, we're all thrilled with that award because it, you know, it, it's, it's important. An in, it's yeah. an in, and yeah. it's an industry yeah. recognition award, sorry. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so it was great. Um, yeah. And Fiona, what, you know, because I know when I'm going to be talking to some, some of the artists and food producers, many of them have won, won awards. And it's one of the questions that we'll be asking, like, what does it 
an award mean to a, a small arts and producer? But what do they mean to a festival to win those awards? I think it's a great boost to us because it's recognition that what we're doing is working. And it's that, you know, like Helen and I were saying one day that, you know, the festival's got a lot of high-profile coverage and everything, but we are so close to the coalface that we don't actually realise. Yeah. We're so immersed in putting it together and speaking to producers and speaking to event holders that we don't know what's actually going on with people recognising the festival um, because we just know it so well and we just think, oh, it's just our little festival that we're just happily doing along. And so to, to win the awards and to... Actually, we, we have a, a, a temporary office that John Field has given us just around the corner here, and we put all of the awards that up until now have been in my study into a cabinet. <laughs> um, and when you see them all there, it's it's fantastic. It really is. And now that we have a, a, a base for people to come in and see them, I mean, when it's we great. got the, yeah, and it's great to show them off. And, it is. And, and it, it is. You, you yeah, deserve to show them off. I think it's also it's much more than an, the award for a festival. It's an award for West, West Cork. Cork. Yeah. You see, and that's the really important thing. So. Um, when we receive an award, which we're very grateful to do, it is an award for every food producer in West Cork, every tourism deliverer, because we're talking about the magic ingredients. It's not just the food, it's, it's the islands, the journey to the island, it's all the other experiences in West Cork as well. So it's, it's an award for everybody. And, and also that the Taste of West Cork is, is representative of everybody, exactly yeah. what Helen was saying, that we're impartial, we're not affiliated to any business. Yeah. So we can freely represent the That's restaurants, great. the, yeah. and the adventure. Important. Yeah, That, and, that, that yeah. is important. And, and that the producers and the restaurants all recognise that. They, they're happy for us to go and represent them because we have no vested interest. Yes. Helen, you touched on it. Big links to Australia this yes. year. Explain yes. why exciting. and where that came from. Well, um, initially we had thought that we wanted to do a partnership with the UK because we felt it was an important hand of friendship in this whole Brexit trauma. But that didn't quite work out to plan because the universe had something else in mind for us because Sean O'Driscoll, one of our sponsors, called me up one day and said, Helen, would you, would you meet with the Australian ambassador? He's interested in food and it seems like this would be a great partnership. So we met and we developed a fantastic relationship with Australia. We have... Um, Michael Ingray, the head of the, um, uh, the, in, uh, the Indigenous Institute, uh, Culinary Institute of Australia here today. We have four fabulous chefs, uh, Luke and Samuel, Josh and David, all uh, working in West Cork now for the next five days, six days. Mm. They arrived on Tuesday. Um, they know half of Baltimore at this stage and half <laughs> of Skibbereen as well, particularly all the guys here in Fields. Um, they, we had a wonderful night last night in Inishbeg, courtesy of Georgie and Paul Keane. And we're in the church restaurant tonight for Bush Tucker and burgers, kangaroo burgers. So it's going to be a really fun night. And onwards to um, Glebe tomorrow for lunch, Glebe Gardens, and um, the Eccles Hotel on Sunday, and an incredible... Um, foraging day on Monday and then a wonderful Turkish night with Amit Didi and I know Amit will be here Amit later. Amit will be talking yeah. to us yeah, um, later. On Tuesday night. So, so and of course the chefs are So we've got the Australian chefs and we have the American chefs are, are back I with us. They are. But um, Fiona, while it's fantastic to welcome all the outside visitors it's very much about promoting the local food and the local chefs, isn't oh, it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And that's what we encourage the local chefs to do. Like we were saying, it's not just the celebrity chef or the big-name chef that you need to get. It is very much on focusing on the West Cork chefs, and we try to encourage them to swap out with a local restaurant 
so that they can be in the program as a guest chef. And also it brings a little bit of a difference to a local restaurant that they can, yeah. you know, someone from... from um, and that must be really exciting for the chefs. It is, yeah, yeah. it is. It is. And I think that it, it's, it's great. I mean, like, for, for example, Kevin O'Hearn comes down and he just loves West Cork. And same with Brian McCarthy. He comes down and he, I think he's doing five or yeah. six... Um, guest chef appearances and Ed Cooney this year. coming yeah. to the church, and, yeah, coming to the yeah, church. Yeah. and so so it is great and the one thing is that in the beginning when we were doing it six or seven years ago it was we were going out to people saying please would you be a guest <laughs> chef yeah. please would you do an event and you know now it's people are saying can could I? we yeah Ooh, can we yeah. do an event oh, almost and insulted if you don't <laughs> invite them yeah <laughs> and that I've already got 15 events confirmed for 2020 and you see yep. you mentioned earlier Patricia about 265 events most of those events were booked out very early on so we may have to look at the reality of even increasing our events for next year which is a very formidable task but the wonderful thing is that the event holders themselves largely run the events yeah mm. so yes. that makes it a uh, manageable well that's open. where it's the team thing yeah. that's where uh, yeah. it's everybody yes, in, in, exactly. in west yes. cork yeah. now the the open air street food and craft market i mean to me when i look through the brochure it always stands out as one of the, the big highlights and it's sort of at the end of the festival yes. is it is it the biggie is it is it in your mind one of the biggies it's it in a different way i suppose it is, it yeah. is a biggie it's a big <laughs> task it's a big yeah. undertaking it's an exhausting day <laughs> and it's, it's the one i think when people talk to me about the festival yeah. and when i say to people were you at the festival they'll all mention yes, that one yeah. it it's is, the one that everyone mentions there's a huge attendance on yeah. that day mm. and we have an added attraction this year which is chase the island which is the fall to ireland new initiative and we're bringing food producers from all over Ireland um, this s- Sunday week. It is now that's th- that taste the island from Fort Island has just kicked off. Yes, we're we're starting it here yes. in West yes. Cork because it runs for the next yes. month. Yes, yeah, uh, two months. It two runs months. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, November. Yeah. Um, so we're doing an all-island food and drink expo, like Helen was saying, um, as part of the um, Taste the West. You know, the, the, the streets, the Sunday yeah. Street Market as well. So we've we've gone to all the producers right across the island mm. of Ireland to participate. And Fort Ireland have been fantastic with very much yeah. support for that. So we, and we're happy to support something that supports the festival, so it's great. Exactly. Yeah. And talking about outdoors, I'm reminded of the Shirkin Island Artists um, a Day tomorrow on Shirkin Island, which of course just shows how you can mix art with food mm-hmm. and the whole experience. Mm-hmm. So there's a fantastic lineup in Shirkin Island as well tomorrow. So, uh, and I think the sun will shine tomorrow. It and will. of course, we it's have. It's going to shine this afternoon, don't you yeah, worry. Have, the sun's going to shine for the next 10 days. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, because <laughs> there, are, there are many outdoor events as well. Have you, I mean, I, I, I know both of you work so, so incredibly, incredibly hard. Do you get time to relax and enjoy the festival? Or is, there, is it a sense of, oh my God, the festival's on, it's just all so manic. It, but, or do you get a chance to breathe and say, I can enjoy this? We do and we don't. Yeah, yeah. well, I'm, 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 I'm big time stressed now because we have the West Cork Food Forum tomorrow, tomorrow. in Baltimore, which is a very big event. That's a free event. Yes. It yes. is. Yeah. And there's wonderful speakers. We have a number of speakers coming from the UK as well to talk about climate change sustainability we feel it's very important that we should be at the forefront of that discussion as well seeing as we have so many incredible food producers in west cork and our food is so clean and so healthy so So when that's out of the way what are you most looking forward to 
I'm, I'm looking forward to I'm, I'm taking a day off on Monday to go on the foraging trip. Well, I'm leading the foraging trip. <laughs> this is so it's a working day. That's interesting because <laughs> it's the one that caught my eye. This yeah. is the foraging, fishing and feasting. Exactly. Yes. Now, it's 12 hours. Yep. It is. I, I, I love, I'm going to be I exhausted. <laughs> this is because I love the idea of foraging. I just never know what I'm meant to be looking for. Well, yeah. why don't you come with I us I wish on I could. Monday? <laughs> I'm serious. It's an amazing day. And uh, we're starting and we're kicking off at quarter past ten um, from Baltimore on on Monday morning. I'll see you on the bus no. at quarter past ten on <laughs> God, Monday. God, I wish that I wish that I could. Fiona, yeah. have you a particular highlight? Something that you say, Oh, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, the, the one I'm really looking forward to the Tuesday night Turkish night yes. with Amit because yeah. I just adore Turkish food and okay. so I just love that and I love Amit. And the other thing is the um, Long Strand tomorrow night is the sunset by the seashore and oh, yeah. I can't go to that because I'm going to the West Court Forum dinner so I'm sending my daughter but I think that is going to be an absolutely that's, that's fantastic night yeah. yeah and it's yeah. such a beautiful setting and everything and then the other thing I'm really looking forward to is the guys in fields are doing a fundraiser pop-up dinner in the shop on yeah. the shop floor has this been done before no 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 no, no. so we're and all dying for yeah, that so yeah so we're and that's the, the saturday night before yeah. the sunday street market so that's going to be a crazy night so and the I'm actual really looking forward to that. supermarket becomes a restaurant yes one one aisle we, they, they okay. were talking they, they keep changing their minds now but they said they think they will do it in the wine section so it's like dining in a cellar because yeah, obviously yeah, the problem with the rest the, with the, the shop is the fridges that it, it's cold oh, yeah. so the, the wine maybe the the best place to do it yeah. um, but it's great they, that's good they, yeah, that's so and it's, it's novel as well and it's a fundraiser and, and, so as, it's and as you say next year's uh, starts straight away Helen well we're, we're in talks now with a country as opposed to a continent um, for a, a partnership hopefully for next year so um, are you telling space. us you know well I think well. it is very likely that it may be the Netherlands wow. because uh, we went to Amsterdam uh, last year at the request of uh, Tourism Ireland and hosted by the Irish ambassador there and we had an extraordinary trip we did literally 24 hours and we brought I think there 150 yep. kg of food and we had Skanor dock and we had garnished gin and we had everything and um, it was a wonderful success. Well so done. they're very keen to meet with us to discuss a partnership for next year. Well and it's a nice idea because to kind of hone in, not necessarily everything on one country, but to kind of create a bit of a theme. Mm. And it's know. great that you can fly direct from Cork. Absolutely. Very important. The flight, yeah. And this is where yeah. the important bit of Cork yeah. County Council and Cork Airport. Listen, in, we enjoy like the festival as, yeah. as best you can. Thank and you thanks so much. a million. You, you do absolutely incredible work and it's a pleasure as always to we to love having your come Patricia well, well it's, it's a pleasure to, yeah. to, to be here thank you for that Helen Collins and Fiona Field joining us live here at uh, Fields of Skibbereen for a taste of West Cork Food Festival C103 Jobs now we've got a minibus driver wanted for a school run that's in the Charleville area while experienced fast food assistants are wanted for full and part time positions that's in a busy Bandon takeaway a qualified electrician is required for domestic and commercial first and second fixed work. And a childminder wanted three days uh, per week uh, to work in the minder's own home in Drumahan. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork today on C103. Live from Skibbereen for a taste of West Cork Food Festival. 
C103 and Cork Volunteer Centre presents the very first Cork Volunteer Awards, taking place Friday, October 11th. These awards aim to celebrate and recognise remarkable people throughout Cork who selflessly give their time and talent to benefit local communities. Visit volunteercork.ie now and shine the light on your volunteers by nominating them for an award. The Cork Volunteer Awards 2019 at the Kingsley Hotel with Cork Volunteer Centre, Cork Independent and Cork's Greatest Hits, C103. The Aer Lingus September Sale is now on. This year, put hibernation to bed and wake up to winter with great value flights. Fly to Europe from $29.99 one way, including taxes and charges. And swap early nights for winter sights. Don't snooze through the season. Wake up to winter. Smart books now in the September sale. Smart flies Aer Lingus. Book now at aerlingus.com. Offer subject to conditions and availability. I'm off for my spin. Have fun with Mummy. Daddy, can I come? But lovey... You don't even have a bike. I think it's time I got one. My friend Joe's dad got his bike in Pie Cycles in Mallow. The whole family go for cycles all the time now. You've done your research, haven't you? Can we go this weekend, please? Okay. <laughs> and let's get Mammy one too. Yay! The perfect bike for all the family is at Pie Cycles Mallow, next to O'Flynn Interiors. We know all about bikes. We are PieCycles.ie. Dairy farmers, want to save up to 60% on your water heating costs? Then talk to Care Camp Supplies today about their CC Solar Plus water heater, which is TAMS 2 grant approved. Heat your farm water with the power of the sun and save over €1,000 per year on hot water costs with the CC Solar Plus water heater, exclusive to Care Camp Supplies. It's maintenance free, comes with a five year warranty, and quick and easy to install. Call Care Camp Supplies today on 029 50176 and start saving. At Bachelors, we've been making Ireland's favourite beans and peas since 1935. Our ads don't have flashy sound effects or shouty voices shouting about things that aren't worth shouting about. And they definitely don't have a bit at the end that says terms and conditions may apply really, really quickly. Because we're not about bells and whistles. We're about beans and peas and the kind of nutritious food Ireland loves. Straightforward, wholesome, delicious. And just like Bachelors, proudly down to earth. Court today on C103. Live from Skibbereen for a taste of what... West Cork Food Festival. Now, one of the w- best parts of our outside broadcast as a food festival is food tasting. And uh, Ken Parrish, who is with us uh, on sound, this is the, the part you most look forward this to, is, isn't it? This is where I strive. <laughs> uh, and they're lining up behind you to talk to us. We're going to start with uh, Jeffa Gill. Good morning to you, Jeffa. Now, Jeffa began making cheese on her farm in 1979. And 40 years on, Doris cheeses are still being made by hand using traditional techniques. Uh, good morning. You're very welcome. Did you Thank ever you. think... 40 years ago you'd still be making cheese no I didn't no it started off very much as um, as a hobby on the farm we just had seven cows and uh, started making it for fun and then it's it grew from there um, it took a few years before I realised it was already going to be a cheese making business and it's grown wonderfully over the years and members of your family are involved they are now. Well, they were when they were younger. They always helped out. Uh, but now I'm really fortunate that my daughter has decided to come and join in with the business. So now it's really going into a second generation. Describe what, what you would feel is so special about your cheese. Well, we, 
we, make, we use very good quality milk, which is, of course, the very, very important ingredient. And Did I read somewhere, sorry, that only summer milk is used in the production of the hard cheese? The summer milk is, that's true, the summer milk is used in the production of a hard cheese we make called Dunmanus, which is made from raw milk. And we make that from the milk from the cows when they're out on grass only. So, so that milk is that's, different? That makes okay. the difference. All right, yes. so, so what's, what's special about your cheese? Well, I suppose it's the way we make it. It's the it's the the bacterias that we've developed ourselves that make it a little different. I think every cheese, all cheese is made similarly, but there are, there are very subtle differences in the way the the curd is handled, the starter cultures that you use, and ours is just developed along the lines that it has. So. That's what makes uh, makes it a bit different. It's gorgeous. You've got some cheese. Uh, can you? Do you want to get? Do you want to taste some cheese as well? Um, we're going to get Ken to, uh, to taste some cheese, and, and I'll taste it as well because I'm a huge cheesy fan. Tell me what we're eating here, Jeffa. What, you, what you've got there is the, our standard Duras. It's we call it the Duras Mini. Uh, it's about a 360 gram size uh, unit, and they they sell really well. I mean that just melts in your mouth. It's, it's a regular in my fridge at home, to be it honest. I love, well. I love, love Duras cheese. And that's the one I'd usually get because it's so, it's so creamy. As you said, it melts. And if you toast it a little bit at all, it's fantastic. Yeah, you're right. Toasted Duras cheese is really good. And it's available in all the, in all the supermarkets locally, Super Values. And I mean, we've, got, um, we've, we've always had uh, great support from our local supermarkets like Fields. That they, we've sold lots of cheese through Fields and Super Value and Bantry and so on. Uh, how many different varieties are, are you are you making now? We do. We we we've got the mini, the standard mini, our large cheese, which is a cheese of about 1.3 kilograms. That that would be our standard dose, and that's the one that we we export. We okay. export the larger cheese. Uh, we sell the 360 gram. We've got a Durasog, which is a young Duras, and that's 225 gram. And then we've recently started doing a smoked mini as well. Ah, I love the smoked. I, lo I, I, I have a preference for smoked cheese, and I think smoked cheese is wonderful. Well, this one is a very lightly smoked cheese, okay. so that you've still got the texture and taste of the cheese coming through the smoke. Okay. All right, so it's all, it's all going um, well for you. And I know it's part of the festival. People can come and see how your cheese is produced. Yeah, we've got an event on, on Thursday, but uh, luckily, or fortunately, it's completely booked out, so we don't have any more space, but people can come and see the cheese making, viewing through the cheese makers through the window, and we've also got a walk, which we call Taste the Landscape. My son-in-law is a geologist, and he's taking people on a walk on the lovely Sheep's Head Way, and then they're coming back for lunch afterwards. Wow, well done, well done. Listen, thanks a million for, yeah. for joining us. And continue, good luck to Doris Cheese. It's, you have a you. wonderful product. Thank you, you very much. You have a wonderful much. product. Thank you for that. Okay, can we... Um, Skinora... Skinora Duck. Skinora Duck was set up 25 years ago by husband and wife team Eugene and Helena Hickey. And Helena joins me this morning. Good morning, good morning. to you, Helena. Eugene has a background in poultry. Tell me a bit about how this all started. I believe you started with 30 ducks. We did, yeah. When we, we, when we got married in 1990, I was kind of put doing nothing. So he had to find something for me to do because I wasn't bringing she will any buy financial a few ducks. good in. <laughs> so anyway, we started on 30 ducks. They had been rearing turkeys and geese at Christmas. So people and restaurants looked for local duck and no one was doing it. So we got the 30 duck. 
Jean went out and gave a free one here and a free one there. He came into John Field here and he took it on. And Annie's in Ballady Hob when she was going took it on. And it and it went from there. Chefs took it along then as each chef took it. They went to new restaurants and then they took it and it started growing. Away. And people wanted big duck and with meat and just they wanted local duck in the area. And what type of breed of duck? They're Peking duck, a white Aylesbury duck. And it's, it's the salt air adds, because I, I know you're, you're close to Roaring Water Bay. That's right. And this I'm intrigued by. It's the salt air actually adds a flavour to It does duck. add a flavour. And, That's and incredible. And a lot of chefs have commented on it. Yeah. It's like the lamb. There's a salt, marsh taste yeah. lamb. Yeah. The, yeah. It's the same effect on it. And it kind of makes sense when you think it about does. it. Yeah. And when, we, when they were saying it to us, we were saying, oh, yeah. And then we said, oh, there is, you know, you kind of realize what that was another selling point you had for your duck you know? okay you've bought some is this some of the we bought some okay this, uh, is, uh, this is this, this is, is where is I this is where I come in this is over to the before to I eat anything there's three no. different colors of yeah. meat here I'm just looking like chicken we've got the brown would that be the leg that would be the can for your duck leg okay and okay. the whiter the white is the chicken which we've brought in uh, smoked uh, chicken breast and the that's we'll call it a and pink that's the smoked d- duck like you with the cheese I'd be a fan of the smoked duck before anything Traditionally, tell me this, because we instantly when you think of cooking duck, you think of cooking it with orange. But that's kind of, that's a bit old hat now. They're smoking it a lot more. What other ways are local chefs cooking your ducks? They're putting it on salads. They're, they're doing the, the, um, the duck breast straight. They're doing the half duck. They're just doing confit. They're just using it anyway, just to make newer newer products newer menu because people are tired of just the plain duck so they just want it in a stir fries is a, is a lovely way of doing it once you have a sauce but everyone prefers their own sauce so look it's easy simple and just unlike the chicken you can have a duck breast almost rare like a steak you could yeah very yeah that's right now i like many of our other producers helena you've won many awards we have. We've been what, very, very lucky. What, what does the awards mean to, to a company like you to win those awards? You've well, won some top awards. It's, it's just you feel you're doing, you're working hard at home. You're constantly putting it out. You're, and then someone said, enter, enter, say, our first award was Blossom Heron. And we got our artists in the first year. We couldn't believe it. We said, we must be doing something right, yeah. you know. And people are enjoying it. And our local people here always buy it and support it. And we've won the ta- Great Taste as well. This year we got three stars with the Great Taste for we have our Al- uh, our goose with Aldi. Yeah, with Aldi. Yeah, because uh, that got into the, the 2019 Golden Fork for Ireland. We were, you were nominated. Last, yeah, yeah, last three. Yeah. We were over Be- last weekend. Beaten Be- beaten by the cider from Longueville. That's now. right, Longueville House. Well done <laughs> yeah, and well congratulations. Done, but it was fantastic to, 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 to get up there in the, in the, in the oh, top it three. Yeah. It, was, it was great. But look, every award, no matter where you get it, is great because yeah. it's, it just gives you that momentum to keep going. Yeah, you're doing and, and you're doing and, something and right. And you hope you're doing something right. And your products are on sale where? They're in the sale in the Super Valleys over West Cork and Cork and then they're, they're around in the smaller shops, some in Dublin, some in Kerry and like that. You're doing yeah. well. You're yeah. doing well. And it's really well packaged as yeah, well. Yeah, I love it? the packaging. It's, it's, it looks to be vacuum packed on the inside. Does it's it travel? Does it travel? It does, it travels. It does. <laughs> so the only thing is, with our 25 years, as we've done, yeah. we've changed. We were skein or duck because we're doing other products now with chicken and we hope to diversify into other things. We've got, it's now skein or West Cork Farm. Okay, you've dropped it. 
Yes. The, the, the duck bit's been dropped. Yes. Helena of Skeenora. It was wonder- wonderful to have chatted to you. you. Thank you for that. That's uh, Helena uh, Hickey. And we are moving on to the Cultured Food Company because the Taste of West Cork Food Festival holds a very special place in the heart of Haley Miltorp because due to money raised at the festival six years ago, the Cultured Food Company was set up. And Haley joins me. Good morning to you, Haley. Good morning. Uh, and you're welcome. It all started from a talk and a workshop on fermented food. It did, yes, actually, it was five years ago. Five years ago. Um, I first got into fermented foods through studying nutrition. I was really interested. I finished my uh, training, and I really wanted to use food as a medicine, and I didn't want to rely on supplements. So I started reading about the diets of our ancestors, and that's when I came across fermented foods, because it's actually the old traditional way of preserving food. And fermented foods are actually abundant in probiotics and enzymes. So they're a great food source of healthy gut bacteria. And I knew from studying nutrition the importance of supporting your gut colony. Uh, So I started dabbling in fermented foods in my kitchen at home. And yes, it was five years ago I held a course on fermenting foods. And from the, the money raised from that course, I bought my first piece of equipment which was it seemed massive at the time it was a a really top quality Kenwood food processor and I began production in my kitchen at home Um, on a weekly basis I was chopping through maybe 20 kilos of cabbage in my kitchen (laughs) and that to me that was a massive operation yeah we're currently in premises in Skibreen and we probably chop through several tons of cabbage a month now so it's a and much how many bigger different products operation. Do you have? We currently have eight products. Eight products. Um, we have six different sauerkrauts, one of them being kimchi, which now is tell a South me about, Korean. Tell me about kimchi. Can you pass over the kimchi there? I'm going to have a taste of the kimchi. Tell me about kimchi. Kimchi is the South Korean's national dish. It's hot and spicy. It's got Chinese leaf cabbage in it. How hot? Uh, lots of ginger, chili and garlic. And the South Koreans, they eat it with every meal. Apparently, this, they send their astronaut, astronauts into space mm. with it as well. So that is gorgeous. <laughs> quite, quite an experience. It's quite a kick off that. There is, yeah. That is really good. So, and what else? So you've got kimchi, and what else? Whoa! We ha- <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> it's spicy. That is cool. That That's is good, really though, good. Yeah, I was about to reach for the bottle, and I realised yeah. it's a bottle of gin. So I won't reach for the bottle, I'll reach for the water. Okay, so what else do you have? Uh, this, this is our best seller. This is our ruby red sauerkraut. It's red cabbage infused with cumin seeds. It's organic and it's fermented for several months. Um, it goes great with meats, fish, cheese, salads. They're condiments, so you kind of include them on the side with your meal. Mm. I'm going to put some of this kimchi together with the duck and yeah. we'll see how that goes. That's really good. That's really good. And how, how are they selling for you? Um, it's going Haley. really well. We're in about 150 super values throughout Ireland. We're in, many, we're in most independent health food shops, and we're actually one of the finalists in the HSI, which is the health store of Ireland. They run an annual competition, and the retailers vote for their best um, products, food, uh, cosmetics, and supplements, and we're one of the finalists um, out of four. Um, this year so we're going to find out at the end of September whether or not we will be the winner but that's it's fantastic you know so many people love our products and the shops 
absolutely love it. It's and gorgeous. It's really it's going good. really well. And, and gut health. There's, I mean, everybody is into gut health. Yeah, it's, so, it's amazing. I mean, even, I think yeah. it's on Monday we're, we're doing a, a piece about how important gut health is for your mental health. It is. Well, there's actually a whole division up in the UCC now called APC. And uh, there's a couple of professors there. And they've actually written a book called The Psychobiotic Revolution. And it's about how your uh, gut... Um, bacteria is uh, completely linked to your mental health and how supporting and you know eating the right foods and getting the right probiotics into your um, gut flora it has a knock-on effect with your mental health yeah so have you have you met with the boys the the happy pair uh, Dave and Stephen, who are here doing a cookery demonstration. Uh, have you met uh, with the happy I've pair? Met, yes, I've met yeah, them before they're, and they know my products. They're big they, into it. They, they are, were one of my first stockists. I was, so, that does yeah, not right surprise me. Right that does not surprise me. Okay, yeah. listen, c- um, congratulations. You're producing a wonderful, wonderful thank product. You. Long may it continue. Thank and you thank you much. for joining us this thank morning. I love you talking to you as well. That's Hayley Miltorp of the Cultured Food Company. Now, I, n- I need to take a break uh, and then we're going to come back where we'll speak with more of the food uh, producers. Uh, we're at uh, a taste of West Cork Food Festival live from Fields of Skibbereen. Cork today on C103. Live from Skibbereen for a taste of West Cork Food Festival. Get weekly news, event updates, and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c103.ie. From Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between, we've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click Regional Reports or download the C103 app and click Podcasts. Regional Reports, only on C103. Does your bathroom feel outdated? If you're looking for a bespoke bathroom, wet room installation, commercial or mobility bathroom, Bathroom Builders will design and deliver your dream bathroom. With competitively priced packages, 12-month warranty and highly skilled plumbers, tilers and electricians, we can have your bathroom complete in as little as five days. Turn your bathroom dream into a reality. Book your free in-home consultation by calling us today or see bathroombuilders.ie. Change takes energy. That's why at Gas Networks Ireland, we're changing your energy future for less. And now, for limited time only, until September 30th, you can get 50% off when you connect and pay online. Join the thousands of homes already connected to cleaner, affordable, natural gas. For more, visit gasnetworks.ie. Gas Networks Ireland. Progress. Naturally. Standard domestic connections only. Terms and conditions apply. This is not just sleep. This is hours and hours of relaxation. Sinking into a luxurious mattress, stretching out and feeling its warm embrace. Waking refreshed and ready for anything in the morning. This is not just sleep. This is your best sleep ever. This sleep timber at Casey's. And now, up to 12 months interest-free finance available at Casey's Cork and Limerick. And online at caseys.ie. That's the sound of Rebecca banking the money she saved with the Bosch cashback offer at Harvey Norman. For a limited time, Bosch are giving cash back on selected Bosch appliances from Harvey Norman, like the Bosch 9kg iDose washing machine with automatic dosing for €599, save €200, and claim €35 cashback. Harvey Norman can deliver and install your new appliance and take away the old one. So get perfect wash results and big savings at Harvey Norman. Switch and save at Carphone Warehouse. Save up to €189 Euro on exclusive deals with three you won't find anywhere else. 
Get the Samsung Galaxy S10e or the Huawei P30 with a smartwatch GT for free. Yes, free. Both are available on a 45 euro a month plan with three. With all-you-can-eat data, but only when you switch at Carphone Warehouse. Or upgrade to next-level power with the Samsung Galaxy Note 10. Available to order now. T's and C's apply. Offer subject to availability in 24-month contract. Cork Today on C103. Live from Skibbereen for a taste of West Cork Food Festival. And to talk about all things sweet, I'm now joined by Judy O'Sullivan Rathcliffe of Jude's Chocolates. These are ch- chocolates which are handmade in Valley de Hob. Um, good morning to you, um, Judy. And it's one of these moments I wish that we were on, we were on camera because they just look delicious. Thank you. They're, um, I try to concentrate on the strong flavours, authentic flavours, instead of using artificial flavours. Because I think once you go artificial, it doesn't taste the same anymore. Whereas with, like, um, I have a lemon and ginger here which is, has raw ginger and fresh gin- lemon in it. So it's, you can really, really taste the flavours. And flavours, I know I was on your website yesterday, flavours are really important to you. They are, because I think if you use like an, an oil or an essence, it's, it's artificial. You don't, you don't really enjoy... It's like when you have a fresh raspberry. Like I use freeze-dried raspberries. So when you taste it, it tastes like a raspberry, not something else, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if it's going to taste like a raspberry, it should taste, it should it should taste like a raspberry. Says, what it says on now, tin. you started selling chocolates in the run-up to Christmas of 2015, which I thought was a great clever time to start selling uh, chocolates. But when did you start experimenting with the whole chocolate making? Um, about a year before that, because I come from a family of diabetics, so I was looking for dark chocolate that would suit my tastes, because it's very hard to find something that's not too sweet in the shops. Um, so I just was tinkering around in the kitchen at home, like a lot of people, which is where... I think a lot of businesses start. They start at the kitchen table, and I've, I've just evolved from there. Um, it's just a love of food as well. I've been and have you all? But your, most of your working life has been in some kind of food production and working in kitchens. Well, my first job was actually from my mother making pizzas. Was it? <laughs> and I, I tried very hard to get away from food, but food just sucks you back in if you love it. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're, you've got a passion, yeah, you and have that's have reflected in your chocolates. If you don't have a passion for what you do, whether it's food or anything else, you just won't get up in the morning and do it. And you have to... I, I dream about chocolate, let's put it that way. Ken, are you a chocolate fan? Do you know, rarely, yes. Christmas time, if I'm in front of a box of celebrations, it doesn't stand a chance. But I could go, I could go three months then without getting the craving. So, yeah. Yes, yeah. I, I do love it, but I, I, I've managed to stay away from it. Okay. Des- describe what's, what, what's in front of us. I'm going to grab one while you're describing well, it. The one you've just taken is the Irish coffee. Oh, surprise, surprise. With bacon? We, no bacon. <laughs> no, not yet. We may roll that out later. Um, but I also have a rum and raisin, um, ginger caramel, raspberry... Lemon and ginger, hazelnut caramel, and this is what I think is fun, a bit of banoffee. So it's like a little banoffee pie encased in chocolate. Oh, I wish I'd gone for the banoffee. <laughs> this Silence. Is, this is absolutely gorgeous. I can actually get your hands off the one banoffee. Put it over here for you for later. Oh, I am? Yeah, just before someone else takes can it. Can I say, I the can have... Uh, like, there's, there's alcohol I'll in that. There's definitely alcohol. Well, that's what I'm The flavours have to be what they say. I'm not going to put, like, a rum... Uh, flavoring. It's actually rum I put into it, which I soak the raisins in the rum for a good 24 hours before I put them into the chocolate. That. So it just infuses through everything. And where do you get your? Ch- where, do you, where do you source your chocolate? It's actually um, a Belgian chocolate, but I get it through England, which at the moment for me is temperamental. Things go the way they're going um, because I would order a thousand, you know, euros worth of chocolate at a time, and that's food to put tax on that. That would cripple. So you're worried about Brexit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and where were you selling your chocolate at the moment? Um, in 
here in Fields itself okay. and on a Saturday at the market, in, at the Skibbereen Farmers Market. That's my main source at the moment, but I'm planning on rolling out because I'm revamping the packaging and getting a little bigger. Well, it's, I think your chocolate is mouth-watering. I mean, it, just, it looks good and it tastes good. So well, well done. Yeah, it was, I, I thought it was so smooth. I just want to ask you about the lemon. Is it a lemon curd or what, what is it that goes in from a lemon? I had the lemon and ginger, obviously. Okay. Um, actually, it's, I, I, the, the lemon zest itself, I put it in the cream, so I infuse the cream, I leave it in there, and then I also put in a bit of lemon juice. So like I said, nothing is, nothing is fake, nothing is artificial. So when you're going with something like that and the lemon, lemon is so hard to cook with just to get the balance right because 10% is 10% way too much, and then you've got to, you end up with a big batch before you know it. How, how, how many do you do at a time? Um, at the moment, I only do about two trays at a time because they do have a fairly... Um, we don't have a short shelf life, but I just don't want to have too much. I'd rather have a fresh supply on a regular basis. Mm. But that would be about 60 to 100 at a time I would make. It's incredible. It's incredible. Listen, long may you continue, uh, Judy, to produce Jude's chocolate because yes. it's wonderful. Thank you for joining Thank us. Thank you very much. Thank you for that. Okay, and we go from uh, chocolate to uh, salmon, to Union Hall Salmon. Uh, Shawnee Cahalan joins us. Good morning to you, uh, morning. Shawnee. Okay, tell us about Union Hall uh, Salmon and the products you're producing. Yeah. So Union Hall Smokefish was set up uh, in 1987 um, by John and Elmer Nolan, and it's now run by their son, Sean Nolan, and I am Shawnee Clan so I'm kind of the manager below there. So we produce a wide range of smoked fish, uh, ranging from smoked salmon to smoked mackerel to smoked fish patties. Um, we actually have two new products coming out for the Christmas market, which are between all the super values in Ireland, which are um, a whiskey-infused uh, smoked salmon. So oh. we're actually infusing the smoked salmon with, with the West Cork whiskey. So we teamed up with And that'll them. be nice just yeah, in time for Christmas. Uh, yeah, it'll be yeah. nice for just for Christmas market. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. Okay, and what have you brought with it with you today? Uh, so here I've got some smoked salmon patty, some smoked mackerel patty, and I've got some smoked salmon. If you want to try some, that's that's my job here. <laughs> when you say whiskey smoked salmon, is that the the wood flakes to do the smoking, or from a whiskey cask, or do you actually use no, raw we whiskey? Actually itself? Use uh, whiskey itself. So we actually um, we actually brine the salmon in the whiskey and the salt, so that which just preserves the salmon, and then it goes. We smoke it after. Yeah. I've, ha- I've had stuff in the past that's been that's been smoked with, let's say, an old whiskey cask. They oh, break yeah. it down. No, no, different, different. Is it much different? Much different, yeah, yeah. So it's a different method. So we tried a few different ways of infusing it. Uh, we found this one was the best. So uh, we think we have a good product. So we're looking forward to, to launch it now closer to Christmas. And you're selling where? Uh, we're selling in all the super values uh, around Ireland and in lots of independent stores also around Ireland. Okay, so. well, well, well done and uh, continue good luck to Union Hall Smoked uh, Foods. They're, they really are wonderful, Shawnee. Thank you for that. And our final uh, producer is um, Kevin Collins joins us. We're going into the alcohol. Um, this is Garnish Island Gin. Um, good morning to you, Kevin. Morning, how are you? Uh, you're very welcome. Tell me about Garnish Island Gin and so how it all came, came about. So Garnish Island Gin is made uh, by West Cork Distillers here big in Stiverine at a, de- a decent drop of gin. Do you want, do you want some tonic I, to go with it? I do, yeah, but I want a smaller drop so that I, <laughs> it, that I, so that I, I can, I just a very half of that. Thank you very much. And I'll yeah, take so. my tonic one, talk um, away. Yeah, so Garnish Cheers. Gin is, uh, is made using uh, local botanicals and it's also, it's not cold filtered. So... When you actually add a cold tonic to it, you'll notice that the uh, the gin actually goes a little bit cloudy oh. because it leaves the oils from the botanicals in it, so it's a traditional oh. old-style gin. That is a good gin. Yeah. Isn't that a good gin? See, yeah, you, you, you're you hitting all my spots today. <laughs> I know about my gins. I once did a gin master class, I'll have you know. So Here we go. Talk Ask to me the about questions. the botanicals. How many are there? 
Oh, too many to even mention. Because uh, I know, I know other drinks. They, 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 different gins will have different botanicals. Yeah. Like one I, I'd often have would have cucumber, and it's served mm. with cucumber. What yeah. should Garnish so Island gin be served with? Garnish Island is served uh, perfectly with lime and strawberry, and even actually there's notes of dark chocolate in the gin. Mm. So you'd actually serve it with a little square of very, very dark chocolate just to go with it. It would be perfect. And the tonic water industry has jumped as fast as the gin is become you can get elderflower tonic water you can get so many different flavors so the water is, is as important as the gin what would you pair it with ideally i always think uh, let the gin speak for itself and pair it with a, with a natural so do tonic. i so um, do i and, and and i think people push the elderflower too much if you're putting too many ton- too many flavors into you a gin you're going it. to drown out the gin and you're going to forget the gin itself. well said sir um, well so said I, I prefer to just keep it keep it simple i've also brought you a little taster of uh, graham norton's gin as well which is also made here uh, in Skibbereen by uh, How by is Graham Norton's gin doing? So, have a, have a little taste of that one there now and see what is, you think. Is, very it, different is this selling well? Yeah, flying it. Absolutely brilliant now at the moment as well. Um, very different to the Garnish Island again. Um, two totally different flavours. Very different. Mm. Yeah. That's very different. That's a lot sharper, isn't yeah, it? It's, it's, I, I, if it's I, a drier gin. I, yeah, if yeah, I was giving first and second place, I'm, I'm afraid... Sorry, Graham, but I think garnish is. So, so you're, you're happy with the garnish? Yeah, garnish wins be, for you. it's lovely. The Graham is lovely, but if, if, you're, if you're putting them side by side, no comparison. Mm-hmm. No I, I agree with you actually yeah but again to me that's a that's a cork dry gin type style it's yeah. probably yeah. A bit moved on a bit from that I think that's a very old recipe but I'd be the same with the, with the garnish island I think again let's talk cocktails is it is it popular in that around the area that's yeah it's, it's a very versatile gin you can use it in, in many ways we've actually we used it here in uh, in baking as well so we uh, we made a garnish island gin uh, cupcakes and we used it in in the cupcake and in bring the, them out and, <laughs> and in the frosting <laughs> are, are they cupcakes just for adults uh, just for adults yeah <laughs> Yeah. All right, and where are you? Where can people buy the Garnish Island Gin? Garnish Island Gin is widely available throughout. I know it's uh, it's it's available here in fields, and it's available in all super values um, throughout the country. Well, it's fantastic. Long, long may Garnish Island Gin continue. Uh, and Kevin, thank you for joining thank us. Uh, okay, we need to take a break and head to news at uh, twelve midday. We're broadcasting live from uh, fields of Skibbereen for a taste of West Cork Food Festival. Cork today on C one hundred and three live from Skibbereen for a taste of West Cork Food Festival. We're broadcasting live from a taste of West Cork Food Festival, live from Fields of Skibbereen. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. Cork Today on C103. Live from Skibbereen for a taste of West Cork Food Festival.
But life still goes on I can't get used to living without Living without, living without you By my side I don't want to live alone Hey, God knows Got to make it on my own So baby, can't you see I've got to break free I've got to break free Sorry, we're all talking here all at the, sa- all at the same time. Uh, you're welcome back to A Taste of West Cork Food Festival. We're live from Fees of Skibbereen, and we have a pair of twins cooking up a storm of Fields Super Value in uh, Skibbereen. We have the Australian twins, Luke and Sam Burke. We're going to talk with them in a moment. But flying the flag for Ireland, who could we have when we talk about uh, a pair of chefs, but the happy pair, Dave <laughs> and Stephen Flynn, who join me um, you're very welcome. Good afternoon to you. You've met the Aussie twins? Yeah, and then we just held the baby twins. Know, that was I? just divine. I, I'm touched. <laughs> I'm tickled pink. I haven't held a baby for so long. But I think it's interesting that Luke and uh, Sam, who are chefs from Australia, have you met many other sets of twins who are both chefs? chefs. No, no, no. Very rare. We'd be friends with Melissa and Jasmine Hemsley in the UK, but not twins. Not so no, it's rare no, to no, twins that no. are chefs and that work together. So it's, it's yeah, great. Super it's cool great. to meet the lads. Now you were here, um, you're in uh, Visa Skibbereen, you were cooking. Have you done your cooking Yeah, we just, we're halfway through it. We've made a one pan granola, we made pancakes, we've made a chickpea curry in five minutes, and now we're going to make a chocolate mousse. A two ingredient chocolate mousse. Um, everyone's, we got everyone salivating about it, and then we just left. We left with suspense, and we're going to come back and finish it shortly. Okay, well, well and do you enjoy that? Do you like getting out it's and about? Great and fun. Yeah. I love it, especially like we're down amongst the vegetables and the bread, uh, where it's not a typical place for a demo, but it's great crack, and people are totally up for the laugh. We had a, we had a pancake tossing championship there, and I think it was France's one with... Francine won. Francine won with three flips, so Whoa, great well crack. Well done, yeah. well yeah, done. Yeah, That's yeah. not easy. You very much promote your vegan lifestyle. Yeah, I think, I think it's more a bigger message. It's more like you could eat a vegan diet and eat nothing but dark chocolate and french fries. I think it's more about <laughs> not being vegetarian or vegan, but just trying to eat more whole foods. Because in Ireland, typically, the RDA of uh, fiber is typically only 30 grams, and we're typically only getting about 15. So we all need to eat more fruit and veg. Because you'll only get fiber and fruit, veg, beans, legumes, and whole grains. Yeah, so it's really just about eating more fruit and veg. Cause How long are you both vegetarian? Vegan? Uh, we're both vegan but for about 19 years, something like that. So quite a while. Isn't it becoming more popular? Yeah, that's definitely. the right word to use. Yeah, I think um, back 18 years ago, like you didn't tell anyone you ate a vegan diet because they thought you were some strange religious person. Wearing Jesus sandals. Yeah, exactly. Exact. So yeah. Uh, whereas now it's kind of cool. Every day of the week we meet people and they say, geez, oh, I'm trying to be vegan. Like it's something to aspire to, which is quite strange. And you meet you know? people that you wouldn't associate with vegan, like taxi dri- inner city Dublin taxi drivers. You meet all sorts. Like it's yeah. remarkable just the range. Even David Attenborough saying he went vegan just for the planet for climate change because the single biggest thing you can do for the environment 
practice to eat a vegan diet. And when you go out into restaurants, it's easier now, isn't it, than oh, say yeah, when you yeah. yeah, yeah, even I just met um, Maham, or I can't remember his name. Amit, 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 yeah. Yeah, from Muse, Michelin Star Restaurant. And he was saying they do lots of vegan food. Like, it's only ingredients from West Cork. And I thought amazing. He said they they regularly do vegan tasting menus using only ingredients from West Cork. So that's amazing. I was really impressed. But would have you... Do you take offence to somebody who would sit opposite you and eat a sirloin steak? No, not in the slightest. No. no. No, I think each their own. And I think, like, when we first became vegan, we were quite righteous. We found out people found you horrible and didn't really like you. So we found out it's much more, we're all going to die anyway. So it's about doing our best. And, you know, vegan really suits us and kind of And, and I think what's sustainable is everyone wants to feel good and have more energy. And all the leading science says the more fruit and veg you eat and the more whole foods you eat, the more your body's going to function better. Therefore, you'll have more energy and more likely to be happier. Well, you're both the so, picture of, of health on the vegan lifestyle, that's yeah. for sure. We had the cultured food company, Helena, or Haley in with us uh, in the last hour talking about fermented foods. Brilliant yeah. foods. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, we've got a fermentation kit kitchen in Pearville in our kind of kitchens up there and we do kimchi sauerkrauts kombuchas and uh, lots of different stuff like that I think it's amazing I think they're brilliant food great for your digestion and for getting more bacterial biodiversity into your microbiome and I know on Monday I'm sure we're, we're doing a piece where there, there's a link to mental health and, and your gut yeah, yeah. massive link yeah yeah. yeah there's, a, there's a nerve that runs the vagus nerve runs from your gut directly to your brain and they say the, the diversity of the, your microbiome reflects your moods your what you're drawn to eat you know your energy levels so many different things like it's the, one of the most interesting aspects of science and, and medicine nowadays one of the primary foods many people know probiotic as in you'll get it from yogurts and cultures yeah. like this but a prebiotic is fiber it's the food that the bacteria in your microbiome eats so and they eat fiber and you'll only get fiber in fruit veg beans legumes and, and can i say one more thing on the because i love this area the microbiome that 70 percent of your immune system is based in your gut like that's 70 percent of your immune system so the more fiber you eat like the more fruit and veg you eat it's going to feed your microbiome and therefore improve your immune system and 95 percent of your serotonin so your happy hormone is also made in your gut so it's such an important part of our bodies that um, so we are what we eat very much so well definitely reflects us yeah yeah, yeah. and do you, are you, do you still do your early morning swims yeah we were swimming this morning it was great yeah, yeah that's yeah. why we were a little late for our demo <laughs> <laughs> okay and i have to say and I, I spoke to the boys before we went live i did your happy gut course you're doing these online courses yeah yeah we've we've had not everybody can get to see you in person yeah so, so we've we've had twenty thousand people through online courses in 72 different countries and we've got a happy gut happy heart a vegan cooking course and we just launched a happy skin course so they're going amazing they're really good because you can reach people all over and the we world and we kind of partner with leading experts like with the happy gut it's with gastroenterologist dr alan desmond who's, who's from, from cork, cork. who's from, from cork, cork. Yeah, one of our own. Yeah, yeah yeah and then with the happy skin we partner with dr Gemma newman a doctor in the uk so it's great okay listen yeah. you're, you're a pleasure as always uh, uh to sir. chat with david steven i'll let you get back and finish off your cookie demonstration I, so need, I need you to swap headphones uh, with the other set of uh, twins that's the uh, the happy pair dave and uh, stephen flynn who are cooking today as we speak they're here in the uh, fields uh, super um, super value in skibbereen where we're here for a taste of west cork uh, food festival and while dave and steve are flying the flag for the irish when it comes to uh, cooking among the visiting guests guest chefs at this year's festival are Australian twins. They are Luke and Sam Burke, who are sous chefs in their restaurants Rosetta and Rockpool Bar and Grill in Sydney. And they work with the National Indigenous Culinary Institute in Australia. Let's get that right. And I'm delighted to say they, they join me. Good afternoon to you both and, and you're very welcome. Are you enjoying your trip to uh, West Cork so far? Yeah, it's been lovely. Um, Which is Luke, sorry, you're... 
Luke. Okay. Sam. 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 Go on, Sam. Yeah. Uh, no, it's a lovely place. People are very nice. Um, the scenery is beautiful. Lots of open um, land and stuff like that, which you don't see a lot in the city where we come from. So, yeah, it's good. And, um, Luke, have you been to Ireland before? Never. Never no. been out of Australia. So, first time to get on the plane, big long flight. Oh, my over. God. And you had a long journey for, for your first one. Yeah. But obviously with a surname like Burke, yeah, so you've we, got to have an Irish connection. Yes, we have ancestors that came from Cork. Okay. So, four generations, our grandfather. Yeah, it's, it's the great, great, great grandfather who was a Morris Burke. Yeah. Yeah. So he came from Cork. And were you aware of that before you came? Did you know of that? We had a little bit of knowledge about it, but since coming over to see Cork and that, we followed a little bit up on it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just tracking more back on that. So. And do you know why he went? I mean, it would have been just, oh, around the time of the famine, wouldn't it? it was, yeah. Yeah. So... so he, was he, he wasn't deported to Australia or anything? Was no, it? I think no. he just came over. Because a lot of the Irish yeah. were. I just mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. So I think he came over just to... Better life. Better life and better stuff like life. that. Yeah. Open. And bless his heart, that would have been a generation that never came back. They, they, so isn't it great that his great-great-great-grandchildren are, are, are coming back instead? Now tell me about your own, um, your own cooking journey. You're both, you both qualified as chefs in 2017, not that long ago. Yes. Okay, how, d how did you get to there? What was the journey to becoming a chef? So once finished school, um, we connected up with NICI. Um, we did a pre-apprenticeship course with them. And then through them, we sourced to... I started off at Rockpool. Um, I did my apprenticeship there, so three years. And then qualified at Rockpool and then was offered a job at Rosetta, which is the sister restaurant to Rockpool, which is owned, run by the Rockpool Group, which is the executive chef is Neil Perry. He's known very well in Australia and around the world and stuff like that. So moved there, working there the last two years. Uh, stepped up to junior sous chef. And yeah, it's going great ever since. But uh, And your, your journey, Luke? Pretty much the same. Followed in each other's footsteps. Been working, apprentice, ship the whole way. Lived together. So haven't split at the side, <laughs> which is good. And are, is there chefing in the family? Is there? Yeah, older sister's a qualified chef. Ah. So that drove us into becoming a chef more, seeing what she got to do and working with her. Um, really pushed us into that way. But our older sibling, our older brother, he's not a chef. But uh, he's really into food and stuff like that. So we have a foods in the family and stuff like that. Okay, and what would be your speciality dishes? If you were selling Australia and the type of food that people can expect in, in Australia, what, what's typically on the me menu in your restaurant? Um, at Rockpool, we're really big on steaks. Um, on the Australian beef, which is, we can serve you a great Aussie beef steak. Do you reckon it's the best beef in the world? Um, it's up there. It's up I there? wouldn't say it's the best. <laughs> I wouldn't <laughs> top it, yeah. Have yeah. you tasted Irish beef yet? Yeah, we had a little bit. Um, yeah. It's a lot different. Yeah. Um, we're grass-fed. So yes. Yeah, we, nice. have, we have grass-fed yeah. uh, back in Australia. But yeah, different, different climates, changes the beef flavor and stuff like that. Um, it's a different part of the world, so the beef tastes a little bit different. Um, but yeah, it's really good over here as well. So. Okay. And you brought Bush Tucker, Australian native ingredients. So over when we're in the West Cork Festival, we're trying to showcase native Australian ingredients. Okay. So people might have heard of lemon myrtle. We have some pepper berries. We have some dried uh, plums. We have kakadu plum and uh, Davison plum. Davison plum, which are all native to Australia. Okay. So we had it in the powder form because we weren't able to export it to Ireland. 
So I have it in powder forms in some of the dishes we're showcasing at different events. Last night we were at Inishbeg, so we had a four course there and we used some of these ingredients in our dishes. So we had a... Um, Did you bring kangaroo with you? Yeah, we yeah. exported some kangaroo. Snake some in. Yeah. Um, tonight we're at the church restaurant. Yeah. We're making some kangaroo burgers. Okay. Um, last night we had some kangaroo. How would you describe the taste of kangaroo for people who've never eaten kangaroo? How, is there another meat you would compare it with? It's probably lamb meat texture because it's not a lot of fat in the kangaroo. Okay. But it's not really gamey like venison and such. It's more lighter in flavor. Okay. But eating wise, can't cook too much or else it becomes really tough. So better to eat it rare or medium rare. Okay. And is it, is it popular in Australia? Yeah, it's quite... It's in our supermarkets. A lot of people have sauces to get it and people quite enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. Make so. sausages, beef, uh, beef burgers mixed with kangaroo because the kangaroo is not very meaty and fatty. Yeah. We mix um, some beef into it to hold it together to make burgers and stuff like that. Um, use all types of the kangaroo, the best bits of the tail, make some tartar. Oh, I'm, I'm just been told you can actually buy kangaroo here at the English market in, in Cork Beautiful. City. Yes. Oh, so, so, so there you go. Uh, okay, so, so people will be able to taste some of this bush tucker. Yeah. I've got to say bush tucker uh, because when I, when I hear bush tucker, I think of the I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, where they did the bush tucker trials. <laughs> where they make, but you're not going to make anybody eat anything nasty no, or, any, or anything like that. <laughs> so this is genuine Australian native ingredients. That's what bush tucker uh, is. And, and boys, are you very proud of your Aboriginal roots? Obviously, you've got the Irish roots, but are you very proud of your Aboriginal roots? Yeah, for sure. Um, very proud of to be Aboriginal, to showcase Aboriginal food. Um, t- in Australia, not like... Um, not ashamed of what where we come from and stuff like that. Um, love to know more about it. It's really hard. We're trying to track back our ancestry. We're from Tasmania, our ancestors. Um, it was the I read somewhere the the, the, the Pala, Pala 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 people, people down in Tasmania. Yeah. yeah. So that's the tribe which we're from. Okay. Uh, that we've tracked all the way back to, and over time we've moved up over the Blue Mountains where we grew up in a dark nation. Um, so yeah, learning all about our culture and stuff like that is something we're very proud of and to share with other people. Well done. Um, so yeah. Well done. Well, your family can be very proud of you and certainly your great, great, great grandfather somewhere yeah. is smiling down and saying he had to leave these shores. He was forced to leave and we welcome you back because it's, it's terrific to have you here. Uh, Luke and Sam Burke, thank you. It's a real pleasure to have had you w- uh, with us and enjoy the rest of your trip to, uh, to uh, West Cork. That's uh, Luke and Sam Burke who are visiting from Australia. They're part of the National Indigenous Culinary Institute from Australia. We're at a taste of West Cork Food Festival live from Skibbereen. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. And Mallow Social Services, their Meals on Wheels are holding their annual flag day. It's on today, all day, in Mallow Town. While Ballon Hassock Community Development are holding a fundraising social dance that's in the Marion Hall uh, tonight with music dancing to Michael Sexton. Kushla Avendu, they've got an enrolment night tonight from 7 until half past 8. That's at the Nanonagel Centre in Kilavallam. While there's dancing to Jimmy O'Donoghue in Theo Park in Laba Malaga tonight. And Bandon Further Education and Training Centre, they're holding 
holding an information morning for upcoming computer and tablet courses. Uh, it's on today. It's a free course and it's available for beginners to level four. All are a welcome. This is a taste of West Cork Food Festival live from Fields of Skibbereen. Cork today on C103. Live from Skibbereen for a taste of West Cork Food Festival. C103, the River Lee and the Echo bring you the Cork City Sports Athletics Award. Athletics Award. Every month, a panel of sporting experts will give recognition to an outstanding Cork athlete. Cork athlete. This month's award goes to Fergal Curtin from Yall AC. After a stellar season with Arizona State University, Fergal performed a personal best run of 3.42.20 at the Portland Games. The Cork City Sports Athletics Award with the River Lee and the Echo and C103. Are you in the market for a new car? Why not take a trip to Mill Street to view the Kia range at Coleman's? Take a look at our flexible purchase plans on the entire Kia range. Sample the superb build quality that comes as standard with every new Kia product. And the peace of mind that goes with our unique seven-year warranty. Before you decide, it pays to call to Coleman's Mill Street. See colemansmillstreet.com or call 029-711. Coleman's, home of the seven-year warranty. You've heard a lot about Brexit. And you know the UK is scheduled to leave the EU. You will still have the same rights when buying from EU-based websites. But this may not be the case when buying from the UK. Before you buy, find out where your orders come from. Check the delivery and returns policy of UK-based websites and be aware of extra charges when buying from outside the EU. Learn more at ccpc.ie. Getting Ireland Brexit Ready. A Government of Ireland initiative. College is going to be great. Imagine what you could do with up to €300. Euro. Buy any computer or Apple Mac over 699 at Harvey Norman and we'll give you up to €300 euro cash back. And at Harvey Norman, we have all the biggest brands in printing like HP, Canon, Epson and Brother. Save 20% on the HP Envy all-in-one printer. Now only €55. Euro. Shop in-store or online. All at Harvey Norman. Connect with C103 on Twitter now. Search for our Twitter handle at C103Cork. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And it's been all about twins uh, today, having just spoken with the happy pair and also our lovely chefs from Australia, Luke and Sam Burke. And then we've discovered there's very little twins uh, with us here in Super Value. Uh, Gronya Collins joins me along with her 16-week-old twins, Robbie and Sophie. Good morning to you and Gronya. And thank you for, for popping in with two adorable babies. They really are gorgeous. When did you... Re- now, now, you have two other children. You have two little boys. Yeah, we have um, an 11-year-old and a 7-year-old boy. Okay, so first class and fifth class. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so a busy household as is. Yeah, it was busy before we decided to... Go again. Go again. Go and again. We, yeah, so we decided after seven years, we'll have another baby and... A baby. A baby. baby. And then at about seven weeks, I said to my husband, I said, I'm sure it's twins. I'm so sick. And I went for an early scan at nine weeks and... Then we found out it was and twins. He, and you literally, you just had a feeling it was twins. I just, I just knew it. I was so sick. I was out of breath. I just had this feeling. I just that it was twins. And and were you were you very big even at that stage? Did you no, feel not at all. No, no, no. I just, I just it was had just, a feeling. It was, just, it was a, a different feeling, to yeah. the other two pregnancies. Yeah. 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 So. so you find out that you're having twins. 
describe what were you want who were you with when that news was broken so we were up in Balancolic at the baby scan and she put the scanner down and I had a feeling from the seven weeks that it was and she put it down and she kind of looked at us and we were like oh my god we know there's two isn't there and she was like yeah there is so we were delighted absolutely delighted. So the pregnancy carried on and then as with twins I'm assuming they came early did they? Yeah so they came at 33 weeks so they were up in the Neo in CUH for four weeks so while they were there Noel my husband had to stay at home with the other two boys and I moved into Brew Columbanus across the road for three weeks because I just couldn't face leaving the city, leaving them there, so and I couldn't drive up and down. So And here's an opportunity to give a plug for Brew Columbanus, because I'm always saying to people, were you aware of Brew Columbanus before the twins were born? I wasn't aware of it, and they told me, and it was my birthday last week, and on Facebook you can do like these birthday fundraisers. So I said, do you know what, I'm going to do it for Brew Columbanus this year. So I set my target of €200. Euro. There's still like a week left. I set my target at 200 euro and at the moment it's at 2,100 so far and there's still donations coming in and everything. It's so incre- it's they're incredible. In, they're an incredible And it's service. only when people find themselves in that situation where you need to be near a hospital. Exactly. Brew Columbanus is there. Yeah. It's across the road from CUH and it's a home from home, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. And Noel and the boys were able to come up when they could yeah. and they could stay a night. So it was fabulous. Like we had plenty of beds in the room. You had your own cooking facilities. Everything it was just brilliant so you were over and back then to spending most of your time yeah. obviously in CUH just yeah. sleeping in Brooklyn Banas. how long did the twins have to remain in, in so the Sophie was in there about three and a half weeks she came out first so that was t- really really hard having her coming out and he had to stay in then for another five days okay. so I moved home then when she came home so I was traveling up and down then till he came home but as soon as I came home and put them together, they were thriving. They just they just missed being each other, with each other because they couldn't be in the same incubator in CUH. So they were in separate incubators. Yeah. So when we came home and we put them into the same Moses basket, they just they started thriving. thriving. And, and they really are. They're thriving. flying. I mean, They're huge. You know, at 16, you'd look at them now and you would never think they were anyway prem babies. No, not at all. They're, they really are yeah. thriving. Are they already starting to develop their own little personalities? Well she's the only girl in a house of boys <laughs> so she she can be quite dramatic and he's probably chilled we probably like have one of each she's kind of a bit loud like her mother and he's kind of chilled and like, relaxed, his fa- like his father, like his father. <laughs> who won't speak <laughs> who's, who's sitting here uh, very quietly and is, is refusing to speak which is fine because uh, Gronje is the talker of the yes, family yeah. so, so, so that's okay and then Ruth what's life like now with, with yeah, 16 I suppose, twins I suppose everyone thinks oh twins they're so hard yeah they're hard but I'm lucky because I have the age of my other two boys they're a great help like they'll pass me a nappy, they'll get the dummy, they'll wind. So there's not like they're very helpful. So I think only for them it will be hard. Yeah, if it was your first. If it was my first, it'd be yeah. very very hard. But yeah. I have them, and I have the support of my family and and friends and Noel's family, I suppose. So with all of them, they all give a, a helping hand. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, they they really are. are they sleeping at night? Yeah, they may wake up maybe once or twice. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, they're fantastic. They Aww. really, they really are fantastic. Listen, uh, I'm thrilled that you you brought, you brought them into stu- into us at the studio or outside broadcast uh, today. Thank you for Thank that, you very uh, much. And we look forward to on future visits seeing these yes. two little ones grow up. Thank oh, you for that. Thank you. That's uh, Gronya Collins uh, who joins us along with Robbie and uh, Sophie. Bless their little hearts. Just 16 uh, weeks old. It just seems to be all about twins. And we got some amazing photographs earlier of all of the twins. The happy 
Happy Pair. Dave and Steve were there and Luke and Sam from Australia and Gronya had arrived with uh, Robbie and Sophie. So it was lovely to get uh, the photograph of the uh, twins. Now, last year, the Muse restaurant in Baltimore were awarded a Michelin star, which, of course, is the Oscars of restaurants. Head chef Ahmed Didi uh, joins me um, this morning here at Fields of Skibbereen. Uh, good afternoon to you, Ahmed, and you're, you're welcome. Firstly, belated congratulations to you. Thank you. It's a, it's a terrific achievement. How do you go about creating a menu that is going to go on and win you a Michelin star? Uh, it's, it's amazing, you know, like when I came here 2017, uh, I give a little description about the menu, what we cook. We only use ingredients from West Cork. Okay. We don't use anything from outside of West Cork. So when we create the menu, it's only based on super hyper-local ingredients around surrounding us. So I had the idea of doing something unique because we are the only restaurant doing this okay. uh, type of uh, way of cooking in the whole country. And uh, I just thought it was going to work, and which did. And was the aim always to get a Michelin star? Was Absolutely, what? from day one. Yeah. <laughs> I work with six different Michelin star restaurants and chefs, from one star, the two star, the three star. Now, when I finished my last job was in Dublin, restaurant called Greenhouse, one star. I was there when we get the star. Now, when I left, I get, I came to see the restaurant in Baltimore, Muse, and uh, I. That was my number one goal to get a Michelin star. And how? How does that process operate? Do you know when the judges are coming? How so, do you prep for that? So the process works very straightforward. When you are a restaurant and people know about you with your cooking already, you create some hype. And the Michelin people, they, they smell that, they know that. And then they book a reservation. They don't let you know. They come, they eat. In the first visit after... Uh, always one person comes in the first visit, single person, Michelin inspector. Okay. When the meal finish, he walks in the kitchen. He say, "Hi, my name is. I'm not gonna say his yeah. name. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm a Michelin. I'm from Michelin Guide. Oh, can we have a little chat? I say, of course. That was last year, 18th of May. Okay. And then we had a long chat. And where, where he asks you how you devise the menu. No, he, like. You just always ask yourself, what, what is he going to ask? You kind of want to prepare yourself, yeah. but you just don't know. Every inspector is different. But this guy come in and he just asked me straight up, what is the question, Ahmed, that you've been waiting? This is the opportunity now. We are face to face. What is the question you're going to ask? I say, I don't have a question. And he asked again, what's the question? I say, I don't have a question. I hope your journey, if you drive or you travel, is worth it. I hope you enjoy what we're doing, what we're trying to do here. You enjoy that. Other than I don't have a question. And he asked me again, what's the question? I'm like, I don't have a question. And I make a joke. Are we getting the Michelin star or what? <laughs> and then he laughed and he joked. I laugh. I say, look, I don't have a question. I say, I know we are getting a Michelin star. I was very straight up. I said, I know we are getting a star. Because you believed in your of product. Of course. Yeah. And then yeah. that's what I say. I say, look, I'm not being a cocky because I'm chef or this or that. It's not about Amit. It's about whole West Cork, about the farmers, the producers, the fishermen, foragers, which is uh, Monica Gonzalez. She's been mm. amazing, uh, big role about what we've been doing at the Muse. And she helped me so much 
getting missions so, there, finding all this beautiful stuff. So you knew, you you knew. Ah, I was confident. And then, and then did you did you get a phone call then to say? No, no. and uh, and then you, you get a second visit, which we didn't know. Again, two people came, and then you get the second visit. We find out on the social media they put some pictures and comments about us. And then we knew that the visits are done. Now is the waiting game. Last year was first of October when you get the mission and guide publish it. Yeah. And then we find that on the twenty seventh of September by email. That you'd won. Yeah, Ahmed the day you are invited on the ceremony of mission and first of October in London. We are looking forward to seeing you. And that was it. And then we find that at three o'clock afternoon. Fantastic. In the kitchen. And, and, and you've mentioned uh, Monica uh, Gonzalez, yes. who uh, you, fo you, you forage. Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> and wh what do you find in West Cork that you can pass on to Amos that he can put into the food? Everything. Absolutely. We live in so I, I wouldn't know where to start. Specified. Well, I suppose it's just back to the simple way of uh, what they used to be on the old times. You just walk a lot around the place. You go to the coast, you go to the hedge road, you go to the mountains, you go to the hills. And you just found um, the edibles, the wild edibles that they are available. And it's all about local, seasonal, <laughs> close by. And that's what you do, and you just get all the time pushing further and further until you get all the things right. And chefs like Amer, they're constantly asking for what's more, more, what is here, what is there, and always all very fresh. And it's just all about just walking yeah. and finding everything, and then you, you have your spots where you go always back and then you just do foraging in a sustainable way so that you can always go back to very the same place. That's, that's important. That's very important. That's important. And then it's common sense. You just pick things that you recognize perfectly with 100% no, no doubt of it. And, and then you have an eye for the best leaves and the best berries and you just grow with them. It's and a you, constant and you, learning. And you know what's going to work. I'm yeah. assuming, are you involved with the foraging, fishing and feasting event? I am, yes. That's happening? I am. This is going to be good fun. Yeah, and, uh, and Ahmed, you're, you're yeah. involved Yeah, we are well. doing together. We're going to yeah. do an amazing long day, visiting a couple of producers. We're going to go mm. foraging and on a fishing boat. Hopefully, we pull some uh, lobster and crab that we can cook later on the day. Mm. And we're going to go pick some sea herbs, seaweeds, and yeah. uh, what's seasonal out there. And then we're going to make some nice, delicious uh, food. And it's an opportunity, yeah. Monica, for you to show people what they need to be looking for when they do go out foraging. Yes, yeah. Yeah. of yeah, course. That's what it's all, it's all about. about it, yes. And that's on, that's on Monday. That sounds like an absolutely terrific uh, day out. Uh, and both of you, obviously, are, are not native to West Cork. Uh, Monica, you're Spanish? Yes, uh, originally from Spain. How long are you in West Cork? Oh, 20 years, probably. Oh, wow. Well, so and, uh, I'm local. And, and what brought you to West Cork? Uh, love, <laughs> <laughs> always the best reason. And I'm um, you're, Tur you're Turkish. What yeah, brought you to Ireland first? Yeah, I'm a Turkish man. I moved on 2009, and uh, I was married with an Irish girl, lovely girl. And then uh, after spending my early years there, I left, traveled a little bit. I come back to Dublin, and then I moved to Baltimore with the getting and the head chef job at the Muse. And, and now you're happy at the Muse. Yeah, it's 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 like home here, West Cork. It's 
especially it's Baltimore. It's a great place. It's amazing. It's the a people great place. Uh, and the surrounding, everything is so good. Well, you've, you've got a terrific restaurant in, yeah. in, in the Muse, so, so well done. Listen, thank you both uh, for joining us. Enjoy the rest of the festival, and thanks for joining us uh, this afternoon. All good right. afternoon to you. That's you. Ahmed uh, uh, Didi of the, uh, of the Muse restaurant in Baltimore, along with uh, Monica Gonzalez. Record uh, today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86 Now, Ireland and Australia share strong bonds of history, culture and kinship. And this year, A Taste of West Cork is bringing together our culinary cultures by welcoming a team of four Australian Aboriginal chefs, two of which we've spoken with earlier today. To talk about the wonderful links between our two countries, I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by His Excellency Richard Andrews, who is the Australian Ambassador to uh, Ireland. You're very welcome and uh, thank you for joining us uh, today, Mr Ambassador. You're welcome to Skibber have you been to West Cork before and what do you make of West Cork? Yes, I, I've been to West Cork a couple of times before, both, both times this year. I, I seem to be under a bit of a jinx um, earlier in my posting. I had a, plans to come several times and something always happened to stop me coming and so I made a, a resolution that this year I'd definitely get here and, it, and uh, this is now, I think, the fourth time I've been down in the last four months. Okay, and are you excited about this culinary collaboration between our countries that the festival is very much highlighting? Absolutely. So we, when we got the invitation from uh, from Helen and uh, and the team to uh, participate in this wonderful festival, we uh, we we leapt at the opportunity because we saw so many things that West Cork and Australia share when it comes to food and values, uh, quality, uh, excellent fresh produce and innovation, and, and in particular, wanting to draw various different strands into developing cuisine and developing the culinary experience for, for customers. And it was wonderful to talk with the young chefs. There. They, you know, for, for Sam and Luke, their first time out of Australia, but they're so passionate about yeah. their, their food, aren't they? Yeah, indeed. And this, this is one of the great things about this exercise for me is that we've been able to link together that passion which comes from, from those people in, in, uh, in Sydney, the National Indigenous Culinary Institute, who are really passionate about bringing their native traditional ingredients into the mainstream of Australian cooking uh, to give it a unique flavour and to be able to bring them over here at this stage of their careers when they've got so much in front of them uh, to give them the experience of a very similar culture but very perhaps different products uh, and see if that leads to a relationship which goes on into the future. I think absolutely, it's a fabulous absolutely. Thing. How would you describe the Australian food scene? Well, it's one that's developed very rapidly and it, it, it's one that... Um, I think you know we're, we're extremely proud of. Uh, you, you might have seen during the week there was a survey out about the best cities in the world to live, and I think I Mel- Melbourne was ranked number two and Sydney was ranked number three. And we think that Australian food has got a lot to do with those rankings as well. I'd say over the years we started with a, a, a food scene which was really very similar to the roots from which the majority of the population came in Britain and, and Ireland. Uh, the British and Irish cooking of you know earlier generations quite simple, quite plain Uh, and around the 1970s and the 1980s there was a revolution in Australian society which was caused by the fact that we suddenly started seeing migration from a whole range of countries where we hadn't had significant numbers of migrants before. They all brought their food with them so we went from having rather a monocultural food scene to having a very multicultural food scene uh, where you had people from all around the world loving Australian ingredients and making their own food with them. And then the next step was that they started bouncing off each other and uh, experimenting with each other's tastes and how they'd mesh with their own and we got this incredible 
fusion food, which, which became the hallmark of Australian cooking after that. And, and now what I see with the, the, these native ingredients, these bush tucker ingredients yeah. coming in, is that we finally actually realise that right under our noses uh, we've had 60,000 years of culinary tradition uh, which brings something which is completely unique because our plants and our fauna are not found anywhere else in the world. It brings it into that fusion, it melds it in, and, and we come up with something which, which you won't taste anywhere else. Well done. You've, you've, you've sold Australian cuisine very well there. <laughs> now, the Irish have been going to Australia for, for more than uh, 200 years. Have, have they very much made their mark? Oh, absolutely. If, if you look around uh, in Australia, um, you can see there are all sorts of places where the Irish influence is, is, is very evident, whether it's the fact that Paddy Hannan, an Irishman, uh, was the person who discovered gold in Kalgoorlie, which set off the West Australian gold rush and brought a huge influx of people into the country, or C.Y. O'Connor, who was the engineer who built a lot of the dams also in Western Australia and really transformed uh, that state in that regard, uh, right through to... Um, uh, the young professionals who, who migrated to Australia in the, uh, in the aftermath of the last financial crisis here and who played a, a, an absolutely vital role in, uh, in helping us to, to work through our mining investment boom uh, and, and you know, many of whom remain there making an incredible contribution. The great thing we're seeing, a couple of great things we're seeing now, one of which you can see right here in Skibbereen um, uh, through the, the sculpture that was done around the... the young women from, uh, from West Cork who uh, were sent to Australia in the 19th century mm -hmm. uh, is there's now much greater recognition of the importance of the, of the unknown and the unnamed people uh, who went to Australia not necessarily through their own choice uh, but who made an amazing contribution, who were the backbone of a lot of our rural towns and villages and, and, and who are now starting to be properly remembered. And, that, and that's and a fantastic rightly so. thing. And, 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 and rightly so. And I'm really looking forward to and, getting and out And even though the numbers of, of Irish emigration to Australia has dropped, but, uh, but uh, I think it was looking at figures since, since 2012, they started to drop. Would you still encourage young people to go to Australia just to, to take the year, year or two out and experience Australian, Australian way of life? Absolutely. I, I think the latest figures actually may show there's been a little bit of a rebound in Oh, that. is there again? Uh, but, okay. but, it, but it's nothing like at the numbers that were, were there going, in, in, yeah. in 2012. But uh, the, the real point about that is, you know, people are now starting to come back. When they come back, they create a bridge between our countries because I haven't met any Irish person who came back from Australia saying, oh, I had such a terrible time there, I had to come back. You know, they all say... Oh, it was wonderful, it was great. I've left part of my heart there, but, you know, I had to come back because, you know, my mum and dad are getting old or because I want my kids to go to Irish school. All very valid reasons. But they'll go back again in the future and they'll have links which, which, which continue the friendship between our countries. But it's still a great place to travel to. Uh, I think that the, the, the drop-off of, of uh, migration figures over the last few years is reflective of, of the excellent thing that there are much more opportunities back here in Ireland again and, uh, and of course people like to be close to home but you know I think uh, Ireland shows many benefits of the fact that generations of Irish people have regarded a temporary stay in Australia as a bit of a rite of passage. It's given them 
access to a different world and a different worldview, and I believe that's enriched Irish society and, and as well. So, and, and some make it permanent. We, um, we always, we jokingly say in our family, we lost our sister-in-law to, uh, to an Australian man because she fell in love when she was over yeah. there. And now we're watching two wonderful niece and nephew grow up with a little Australian accent. And it's gorgeous because we have a great connection. We go over there and they come over here. So it's, so it's terrific. Do you miss the weather? You uh, must miss the weather. Um, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, but not a lot because... Uh, one of the things about myself having a tiny bit of, uh, of Irish ancestry is I think they pass their skin on to me. And uh, <laughs> uh, you know, before I came to Ireland, I, I visited my dermatologist and, he, and I said, I'm not going to see you for a little while. I said, he said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Ireland. He said, oh, that'll be great. It'll be perfect for you. So, and uh, have, I like it. I have like you it. Irish ancestry? Uh, distant. Um, uh, one of my great-great-grandmothers was, was Irish. And, okay. Um, and it's been actually it's been quite a, a thrill um, coming over here. She was from Dublin, but it's been quite a quite a thrill coming over here and um, uh, and being able to trace through some of the, the connections. And, and have you and found the, some of the ancestry? Uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. found and, and managed to connect up with some some distant relatives Go as away. well, which has yeah. which has been fantastic. That's terrific. Yeah. And how long you're here? Three, you're th- nearly three years in Ireland now. Been here about three years, yeah, and. and uh, be here for a little while to come. Will you? Yeah. Will you? Yeah. I, I mean, you were here for as long as the government decides, the Australian government decides you stay, is it? Or is that's, it is your choice? Correct, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's usually about three to four years. Um, yeah. so, so I'm sort of regrettably feeling that the end is probably in, in sight, but, uh, but I'll be here for a little while yet. Okay. Yeah. And where have you been before, before Ireland? Um, well, I've had, this is, this is the fifth overseas posting I've had. I've had two in Japan um, because like many Australian kids at school, I learnt Japanese and, and uh, that was a, a, a great love of mine. So I had two in Japan, one in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia and, and uh, one in London as well before this. Well, it's yeah. terrific to have you in Ireland and uh, may you stay for uh, as, as long as they allow you to stay because it's been, lo- it's been lovely having you. And thank you. Enjoy the rest of your visit uh, to West Cork and thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Um, good uh, afternoon to you. That is uh, Richard Andrews, who is the Australian ambassador to uh, Ireland. Now, before we go, there are a couple of things I want to, uh, I want to say hi to uh, the there's been a lot of people contacting us and our apologies if we didn't get around uh, to everybody. Uh, but I know there was a lovely message in from Eileen O'Shea on the Bantry Development and Tourism who wanted me to give a mention that Chef O'Neill Traditional Music Festival is on in Bantry this weekend. And actually the mayor of Cork County, Christopher Sullivan, who launched us, er, who was with us earlier, is launching it at this evening at the Bantry Tourist uh, Office. And it's been described as a great weekend of uh, music. And the staff on the tills in fields of uh, Skibbereen, uh, we've been asked to give them a mention. They've been working so hard all morning. But one of their own, Helen O'Driscoll, is having a birthday today. So I don't know if she can hear me or not because they're working flat out. But happy birthday to Helen O'Driscoll and hi to all of the gang on the tills at Fields. And a big thank you, I've been asked to say, to the donators and the customers of the Irish Wheelchair Shop in North Street in uh, Skibbereen. The message is to call in. There's bargains galore and it's in a v- you're supporting a very worthwhile uh, charity. And hi to Jonathan and his hardworking team at Nermada Organics there in Roscarbury. And we're told if you haven't tried Jonathan's salad and vegetables yet, you are missing out. And I believe they're actually on sale here uh, at uh, Fields uh, Supermarket. That's just about where we wrap it up for today. My thanks to uh, everyone who's been involved in uh, helping us out, to everybody here at Fields 
um, everyone involved in a taste of West Cork Food Festival, especially Helen Collins and uh, Fiona, uh, Fiona Field. And t- thanks to John Foot on sound, Bernie on the phones, Ken Parrish in the Street Fish and John Paul for producing. And we are back with you on Monday morning at 10 o'clock on the Lambertisha Messenger. Good afternoon.